0: And of course we're back with another patcho of Canadian football chat and we're covering a lot of bases again this week we're going to be talking white caps MLS Canadian Championship CPL League 1 BC FIFA under 20 World Cup We've got a couple of interviews to bring you and we're, we're recording this very late on mother's day on sunday night So I've even got a special wavelength song to honour. Maybe honour, not the best word, but for Mother's Day. So we'll have that coming up at the end of the show as well. Before we get into all that though, Zach, how's your week been?
1: Uh, It was a busy week at work. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I usually work two to three nights a week. And this week I think it was... Or um yeah, yeah, it was a busy week it was a very very busy week, but um yeah, all in all pretty good
0: yeah i've I've had a week mostly filled with pretty shitty football results for the the teams I cover or support, so East five season it, got ended on Friday
1: oh sorry about the East five it's not it's not all about results though is it
0: no but sometimes as we'll get to when we talk tss in the canadian championship it's maybe the nature of the result that kind of mm. leaves you a little bit stewing about despite everything that's happened this week i i still like games that don't have var can't believe <laughs> i'm saying that really but i i still to me it's the pure way like football should be de- decided <laughs> I was going to say, football should be decided on human error. It shouldn't. It should be decided on quality and good goals. But you know what I mean. It's like,
1: yeah. I don't know. Uh, I,
0: I. Uh... Maybe we could do a whole show if you want, Zach, about how both our teams were screwed out a Canadian Championship success by bad refereeing decisions. I'm happy to talk four parts and two hours on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think your 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 penalty was a, a little bit harsh, and obviously. Mm-hmm ours was overly harsh than should have been given one but yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, yours was worse like when yeah, oh yeah, sure. one was definitely worse
1: but i like yeah I, obviously goals change games but i well we'll talk about it when we get yeah. to that yeah we'll get to that. Let, let, let's start but, but var but var i think the i don't know if the game's quote-unquote better with var i feel like it's a little bit more fair with var better better i guess is no that's subjective. a good way of saying it Subject, yeah subjective right yeah but VAR and we know we know VAR doesn't it's it's meant to be perfect, but it still is a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, East East Five season wasn't ended because uh, no VAR. It was just a a guy got sent off for a second yellow, which for me I would have been if he'd been given a straight red, I wouldn't have been complaining about it. It was a kind of elbow to the guy's face.
1: But and we... that, turn the game and remind me var can play a role in a yellow that produces a a second like a second yellow because they can't be involved in yellow cards in general right they can only be involved in red cards
0: i think if a yellow card's been given that leads to sending off and they i think they can look at it and say it shouldn't be a booking
1: okay i know that obviously they can deal with uh, mistaken identity in that case or whatever but yeah yeah
0: Let's, I was going to say, let's get on to happier things and start the show. <laughs> but we're starting by talking whitecaps down in Portland from Saturday night. So maybe not starting with happy things. I'm trying to go through our rundown. Is there any happy things coming up? <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit in part four when we talk FIFA under 20 World Cup, I guess. I guess. (laughs) Even though Canada and Scotland aren't at it. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty doom and gloom show. So I'll I'll pick some music to match. But we are going to start talking MLS. And Cascadian Derby, gutted I couldn't go down for it. In some ways, not so much once the game was over, because (laughs) being down there after that I think would have been pretty shitty. Although we would have tagged a, a holiday onto the end of it. But I was commentating on TSS, so I couldn't make that trip down.
1: And that's why you did your Oregon trip earlier, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. It, it was a rare window that I've got that we, we, we could get down there. So we, we took that opportunity while we could. Also, the heat down there. I mean, it was hot up here. Yeah. But it was like highs of 34 on Saturday in Portland. I think it was 31 degrees when the game kicked off.
1: They do. They do have... In my limited experience, the best press box food I think I've ever had.
0: (laughs) It's up there. Cavalry's buffet when I went there in 2019 was amazing. Because they didn't just have a normal food buffet. They also had a dessert buffet. Oh. And I ate way too much chocolate cake. It it made the shitty nil-nil game worth it. (laughs) But I also got to Drumheller, which was also oh, on my yeah. bucket list as well. So that that was a fantastic trip. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, and I, I like Spruce Meadows as a, a as a venue. But Portland's press box food has always been like top notch, and yeah. I I remember I can't remember if you were down for that or not. But it was a preseason. It was a preseason tournament, and they had ceviche, they had oh. horchata. I was like, oh, this is like amazing.
1: I think well, I think I've only covered the I think I've only covered the preseason tournaments when you haven't been there. So I don't think I was there for that one.
0: Ah, but you were down obviously for the Bayern thing and
1: Well, I was never for the Bayern thing. I did another preseason when you weren't you weren't there. Mm. Right before we brought in the Colombian. Yes.
0: <laughs> I, I like going, taking the photos of the food, sending it to Caitlin in the hotel, going, How's your evening going? Yeah. I mean, it might have changed now, but they always seem to be like, like above par. I mean, that's the only reason I obviously want to get a press pass is like this, to free food. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Uh, the the white cap stuff's improved. They've they've got a lot better. Um, I haven't had chicken fingers for a while, which is always a plus because they're always dried out and the the chips are really stone cold or fries, I should say. I don't know how we're starting talking about food and we're getting away from the football. Probably because I don't want to talk about the football. <laughs> because the the Whitecaps, unbeaten run, their eight-game streak, three wins of the last five, came to an abrupt end on Saturday night down in Portland. It's this, the continuation of an eight-game month for the Whitecaps. Mm-hmm. It's it's a gruelling month, there's a lot of games coming up, they're fighting competitions on, on two different fronts. This was a Cascadian derby, you want to see a bit of passion in it, and it felt a little flat. I also don't think Portland were necessarily all that good, and I think the Whitecaps possibly made them look better than, than they actually were.
1: Yeah, obviously I didn't watch the match live, but I, you know I watched it back on TSN. Did you know the match was on TSN? That was yeah, kind of nice. yeah. That was
0: nice. I like I mean, that because I can PVR it and then go back easier
1: or fast yeah, forward yeah, yeah, it, but it's, but it's easier to be. fast forward through. Um, but yeah, so I had heard a whole bunch of stuff about the game and people's perspectives, and and I didn't. I didn't think it was as bad. A, like I don't think either. Well, yeah, I don't think it was as bad a game as many people made out.
0: Uh, the, the highlights, if you if you put it down just to the like the six seven minute highlights, I think you'd come up with a very entertaining highlights package.
1: Well, no, I didn't watch. The, I didn't watch the highlights. No, I, I know. I'm the,
0: just you know, like game, just but... saying. So there there were certainly moments that could put yeah. together a good highlights package. You, you know it's not a good game, and I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but Montreal Toronto. I watched those highlights <laughs> on YouTube, and the highlights start with the game kicking off, and then the next thing is the second half's kicking off, and the subs have been made. And I was like, that absolutely nothing happened in that first forty-five minutes? No bells ding. Oh, they were tugging their bell ends by the end. That's that's well, always the that main is thing. True.
1: But yeah, we, need, we need we need we were we're going to have some time to talk about that, right? Oh yeah yeah yeah
0: oh yes we I want to delve into. To a lot of stuff around Montreal and TFC We'll actually save all that discussion For when we, we talk Canadian Championship okay. And then we'll, we'll bring the MLS right, right, right. game into it as right. well it, it is Rivalry Week in MLS Which goes on to next weekend So it feels like every week They're saying it's Rivalry Week Because they build all these rivalries That it's questionable What is a rivalry I For me it's local rivalry, first and foremost, there can be exceptions, but geographical rivalry, so at least we had that, and we have got another Cascadia Cup clash coming up at BC Place next Saturday, when Seattle come to town as well, but for this one, the Whitecaps travel to lower Cascadia, sweltering hot conditions, and it's the first of three... MLS games for them in an 8 day period. They've got Dallas coming up on Wednesday. So it's a tough set of games that is coming up. It it was a game and it was a performance for me that for vani Sartini's side I think you can forget. There was a few good flashes, but on the whole I it, it wasn't a great game. I can see why people were piling on. There were a few good moments, but defensively they were terrible. Vanny said after the game, I think we deserve to lose fair and square. So, nice honesty there because Portland weren't any great shakes, but they were the better side.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah. Port, obviously, Portland were the better team. I just don't know that Vancouver was as horrible as some of the comments I read. <laughs> I, I, I just think but, it's because it's Yeah. But. Well, obviously, there's some big moments. but Well, yeah. Well, 77 seconds
0: in, they're one goal down.
1: Yeah. Which is and
0: amazing. like, Boley has played through. He's got acres of room again. The marking's terrible. There's so many times in white caps games that a player receives the ball in or around the edge of the box. And there's three white caps, but none of them are anywhere near him.
1: Yeah. That I mean, it seems the problem to be with,
0: happening a lot.
1: The problem with that goal was the cheap it was the, the possession was cheaply conceded, right? And then yeah. it's a, qu- it's a quick. Recovery and I think a straight pass into uh into Boley, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so and yeah,
0: he, t- I- he took the goal well, yeah. And at that point, you're like, oh, this could be a, a long night. But then the whitecaps went right up the pitch, and VT had a flashing header that was st- straight at,
1: at Ivicic. right? Right, and that. That was that that felt like a, a massive missed opportunity. Yeah. Like when you're watching the when you're watching the game, you're like, okay, you let up a poor goal. And I know the part of the thing the part of the problem with the goal was too that I think it was Kubas that gave that had a had an off night for Kubas. He he most certainly did. <laughs> and so I, he, I can, he I gave, can I, forgive him because he's been awesome. Exactly. But... He's been like the be- one of their best, if not their best player.
0: But that so, is one of the issues though. It's like when he
1: has an off night. It's like, you can't just the fall team. to pieces. Yeah. So he gives away the ball on the goal. But then, yeah, with that chant, the header with Vite, you're like, okay, like if he if he does better with that, then you're like right back in it. And Yeah.
0: It was a free header. It's yes. like, anywhere,
1: well,
0: make, make the, keeper. the keeper make a save that's not yeah. just straight down his throat. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I thought Ivo Cic came up with a, a few good saves. He had one mm-hmm. from Schopf as well before they, they went 2-0 up.
1: He was then, good he was good when the White Caps were shooting at him. His own team, not not so
0: <laughs> yes. Eighteenth minute, it went to 2-0. The first of the night for Evander. It it was a beautiful team goal. Yeah. I if you're looking at it from a Portland point of view, beautiful team goal, lovely moving, short passes, the interplay was fantastic. The cheekiness of it kinda putting it over the players' heads. And a, a great volley home by Evander. I I would think when the Timbers fans look at goals of the season, that's going to be right up there for them because it's a, a really well worked team goal. From a yeah, White they, get, cat, they get well.
1: Sorry, they get one lucky bounce in it, but you're right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's good. It's good passing, and the Caps are sort of chasing shadows a little bit. Right? Yeah, because not...
0: from the White Cats' point of view, it was a bunch of statues out there. Yeah, they were just like watching the ball get played around and over them. Yeah, no one and covered it, themselves in glory with that goal.
1: And it, and again, yeah, it's again, you know, Kuba's kind of gets can get some blame for that as well because after you know after the ball goes over the top, he kind of just stand, like you said, Saturas kind of stands there and and no one follows the run from Evander.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's so frustrating. And he's I, I'll, wide open. I'll come as well a little bit to defense and centre backs as well in a in a sec once we recap the game, but at that point I thought Portland was just going to run riot and it was going to be a pretty heavy defeat.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it felt that way because I even heard I was hearing updates about about the game a little bit and I was like, "Oh, two nil already? That's not that's not that's not good."
0: Yeah. It's like which Vancouver team's going to lose by the most goals on Saturday? It kind of <laughs> fell with at that point. But it felt like from nowhere they were just throwing a lifeline and they got themselves back. Well, they didn't get themselves back into it, but they got back into it yeah. with a, an on goal. Some quality moments in the build-up. Gold's yes. ball, like Gray that ball. little curler, I think it was from the outside of his foot. It was lovely, straight into the path of Gressel. Yeah. When those two link up, It's a joy to watch. It really is. The two of them have that understanding that isn't always there. I mean, Gressel's just been absolutely magnificent for the Whitecaps this season and his deliveries in from that side, whether it's set pieces, whether it's runs and crosses, time and time again have been tremendous. This was another dangerous ball into the box. He had Cordova waiting at the back post, but Zach McGraw got there instead. Kind of acrobatically, kind of yeah. put it in his own net.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Had he how had he not put it in his net? his own net it would have been a great clearance. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? Did you um, I felt like on that play, in 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 and in, in, in parts of the game in general, I think gold benefit. And I know things are flexible, but I, f- I feel like gold benefited from um, quote unquote being a, a part of the two strike force up top. With Vite behind them, yeah, I feel like he had more free, a bit more freedom, because and...
0: they'd moved him up top because of the workload that he put in midweek. Yeah, that they needed him in there, so there was maybe less defensive work needed by
1: having him in a top yeah. two. Yeah, because his, like you said, his the pass for the outside of his left foot was sublime to Gressel, and Gressel in that moment had the freedom to get wide, which we've talked about lots. <laughs> And yeah. he, we know he is always going to put in a quality cross, and uh, and then you have to credit Cord- Cordoba uh, with the with a good run.
0: Mm-hmm. It put yeah. the pressure on McGraw. Yeah. Because he knew he, I've got to get to this because if not, it's going to go to him and he's going to put it away. Maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. Zach McGraw, has just got a name that you feel would be like a cartoon character <laughs> or.
1: Something from Gone with the Wind, or were you surprised? uh Were you surprised at the half that uh, quarterback came off, or no? Because that... do you think that was planned? Like, I,
0: I, I yeah, they they knew he couldn't go the full game.
1: Yeah, but so... they didn't have they didn't have White. Betchers been playing lots.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, he's not fully fit yet. So you've got to try and get whatever minutes you can. And I think this made sense to start him. Because if you think um, we're going to get 45 minutes from him, Max, I think you start him, hope that you've kind of got him to do a bit of running, that the game's pretty level, you're ahead, and then you bring Betcher on at half time, youthful exuberance, and he runs at a tired defence. I think that was the plan. Um, I don't have any qualms at all where are I getting the start for this one I feel Simon Betcher though has earned the starting spot now mm. and I I want to see him as the, the regular starter going forward this month with these games coming Saturday Wednesday, Saturday Wednesday I think we're going to see a lot of rotation, Brian White is still day to day with his quad contusion um so there, there's a lot for Vani to think about, but the attack doesn't feel like it is fully clicking yet. And it's like after the Whitecaps got that own goal, they enjoyed their best spell of pressure for about a fifteen twenty minute period, mm. and they were they were playing some lovely football and they were launching attacks. And Gold had a chance that went wide. Cordova had a header that just missed wide. And I, 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 th- I was co- a little bit more confident that they were going to get back on level terms because they seemed to have woken up, it had just given them the spark that they needed. But then you got a kind of wake up call just two minutes before half time when Moreno had a long range shot that Takaoka had to produce a big dive and save to turn away. But going in at the half, 2 1, I thought the Whitecaps could get back into it. And I thought with Betcher coming on, yeah, I might get a point, maybe even more depending on when they actually end up scoring the goal. It wasn't to be that way. And the decisive third goal, it was another mistake by Kubis. But I also have to say Evander on this play was just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, you talk about Portland highlight goals when you look at the season. Like, pretty sure that'll be up there.
0: That touch turn, he's like spun in a dime to make himself get free and a nice long grass-cutter shot into the bottom corner. Could Tacko maybe have done better with it? Possibly. But it was a quality goal from a player that was just fantastic on the night.
1: Yeah, the little sort of roulette move from Evander came off like it doesn't always. It, it rarely comes off in a game that well. <laughs> it's something you see maybe in a, in training or whatever. He's you know they post a clip on on Instagram or something. But yeah, I no, it came off so well. Uh, the roulette and then just a a, a good finish. Uh, do you do you think yeah? Do you think Takioka should have done better? Possibly.
0: I uh, I it was right in the corner so I mean you'd really have to have got down pretty quickly and I'm not sure he was fully expecting him to get the shot off from there mm. because again you could blame Takoka but you can also blame the defenders for not getting a block into that
1: I wonder too he's uh, he's also trying to judge the bounce on the ball because it bounces like almost like we're almost in front of where he dies yeah. and I think that didn't didn't help things for him
0: that, that was nine minutes into the second half. And at that point, I thought, I, I don't see them getting back into it. It's, it feels like no. it's game over. And like to be honest, there was some huffing and puffing, but there wasn't really any big moments that you're like, oh, that's going to get us back into it. Oh, here we go. And I think Portland just comfortably saw that one out in the end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there were some encouraging substitutions. Obviously, you talked about, you know, spreading things out with all the games in the month or whatever. I, I, I think people were probably hoping more for, you know, Ahmed replacing Schopf. Uh, and... Yeah, I didn't think... Even Kaise Even, Kayser, even had a good game. Yeah, I, I heard some people ragging on him, for sure. Um, he, I um, mean,
0: he got a couple of shots off, but I just don't think he had that good a game.
1: Yeah, and and even Kayser, the Kaiseido sub, I think you were hoping for more spark from...
0: Yeah, I'm... I'm worried how long it's going to take Caicedo to find his form again. And I understand why he's not in top form. Obviously, Rusty. As in, Rusty, not Russell Tybert. (laughs) But it's going to take him a while to get up to that Caicedo that we saw year one here. Mm -hmm. But we desperately need that Caicedo. Yeah. That is a difference maker for the team. And he's been through so much these last two years... That it's starting to feel like, are we ever going to see that Caicedo again? I'm sure it will come. And it's a long season. There's still a hell of a long way to go in this. But these are the things we need to see. We need to see him having that spark. We need to see the attackers. I'd start more clinical when they get those chances in front of goal. Like Vite, if you've got a free header, you've got to make the keeper make a decent save. We still are not seeing the best of Ryan Gould. So there's a lot falling down on that side. Defensively, we've been fairly strong over the last eight games. We all know about Takaoka's shutout streak. I I am a little bit concerned about the centre-backs. It feels like we're kind of running Blackman and Ranko into the ground a bit. And it's a long season still to go. Uh, I know we've got Karifa Yao that can go in. There's some other players. We can play Gervain there, move some folk around. That would be one of the additions I would like to see in the transfer window is an, an experienced centre-back.
1: Yeah, because both Yao and Laborda didn't even get off the bench in this one, right? And they're both, yeah. both options there, obviously. Well, yeah. yeah. Yao, I mean, for Yao's... me,
0: I'd like to see Laborda there, but Vanny clearly sees him as a right-back.
1: Yeah. And Yao's, I think, lack of pace and experience is a concern and yeah. of his lack of size and Vanny's vision for him are the barrier there.
0: So that does feel like a big gaping hole because I don't think they'll add offensively unless you call up Levante Johnson who right. has had quite the week. Yeah, uh, Scored today for WFC2. Scored midweek in the Canadian Championship game and looks a real talent now obviously we can have another couple of call ups for him but he can only play in two of those call ups so he's played in the Canadian Championship game as one of those four so they might have to make a decision sooner rather than later on him mm-hmm. but he he adds something to the team and what I like about having him and Betcher and Ali and the, the younger guys they are bringing that kind of I know I've used this phrase a few times in the season so far, but that youthful exuberance. Yeah. Which gives us a bit of an edge. And with all respect to Brian White, he kind of just plods along a little bit. We'll get a good idea of the depth of the squad this month. Because yeah. they're all gonna have to get used.
1: Whether it's Johnson or so, or someone else, the they need yeah, I think they in addition to yeah, help at center back, I do think they need some kind of offensive spark to to be brought in or like depth that's like quality depth Um, because i I think i think with what you've seen from cordova and white and betcher there's some good things for sure but it feels a little incomplete and it feels like a little too on the whole injury prone ish to, yeah. to let that be all you have for the rest of your season, and uh, you know, obviously, you can put shift other people up there like gold or or Caicedo or or whatever. But, um, yeah, it feels like those are, I think, yeah, I think two two spots that need strengthening. And I know also other people would say, yeah, like maybe, maybe like the, the wingbacks as well. I don't know, heard of, like, like you said about Mar- yeah. Martins. Martin's, I heard lots of complaints about Martin's this weekend. And, and maybe that's just where Ali ends up playing further back, or or Raposo, or or whatever. But yeah,
0: I mean, we'll we'll get a a good test because Vanny's clearly targeting and prioritising the Canadian Championship. Mm-hmm. So you are going to see a lot of strong players out. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, this next game that's coming up. But now you've got Dallas coming up on Wednesday, and right now. Dallas are, are sitting fourth in the table on eighteen points. The Whitecaps Caps are on fourteen. We don't historically do well in Dallas. Dallas come away with three points in this, and then you're seven points behind them looking up early in the season. And these are the teams you want to keep close to you.
1: And and I thought it's uh it's been is it almost a year since a league away victory?
0: which was in Dallas. I think it was June last year was the last away away win. Yeah, Yeah. Because you look at this Western Conference just now. So after the weekend's results, Portland leapfrogged Vancouver. They're in 15 points. They're up in sixth. Vancouver down in eighth now on 14. But it's an ever-tightening Western Conference. You've got teams like Kansas City and LA that all of a sudden are starting to win games. They're starting to close the gap. Uh, Kansas City in particular are actually starting to play football like the Kansas City of old. We, we won't delve into all the the ins and outs of all the Western Conference games, but to give you the results, St. Louis, surprisingly, kind of in away way for me, lost 1-0 at Chicago. Then you had... Austin and Dallas in the Texan Derby. Dallas came away with a one nil win. I watched the highlights of Houston and Seattle because I knew that Houston had finished the game with nine men from the the media release that I got. So I thought I've got to watch this. Have you seen any of that?
1: Uh, I have not. I've I've seen you know Toronto, Montreal, and the the Dead Bull. Man City Light one, I've seen. You've uh, watched
0: all the ones I haven't
1: seen. Well, well I've, I
0: watched. I watched.
1: I the, Angel, but... the Galaxy uh, versus uh, San, San Jose. Jose. Yeah.
0: Um, this is funny because I watched Houston, Seattle highlights and KC, Minnesota. So this is good. We can all talk about different yeah. games. But Houston went down early um, to 10 men. For a horrible tackle, really. When you see it in real time, you're like, "How is that a red card?" And then when they slow it down, it's a an over the top right into Ladera's leg. That uh-huh. really, could, it's like a potential leg breaker. I mean, you, you could see that leg just snapping. So it that was a fair one. Then a second yellow for Herrera. Two stupid yellows really from him, got them down to nine men, but they were holding on. And then it was late in the game, it was like the 86th or the 87th minute, that Seattle got the winner for the 1-0 win. So Houston's home streak that they had was ended, but they made Seattle work very, very hard. Rothrock was the guy that got the goal. That sounds like someone from Lord of the Rings or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, that's... What good teams do, they grind out the victories when they need to and they get the points when they need to. So Seattle got that. KC spanked Minnesota 3-0. And it was it a very deserving win. And Minnesota missed a penalty. It was a horrible penalty. But KC are starting to look like the good KC of old. The Palitos got a, a lease alive. life. They're moving the ball around well. All the attackers are linking up. So that's a worry, because they're now starting to climb. Colorado Rapids went down at home to a 2 1 defeat by Philadelphia, ending their unbeaten record. LAFC spanked RSL in Utah 3 mm-hmm. 0. And then I haven't seen anything from the the last game. That was today, wasn't it? LA yeah. and yeah. San Jose, yeah. Um so tell me about that one. What was what was that one like?
1: Uh, it was not a great football <laughs> football nah. match. Um, I'm trying to remember the first goal. Uh, oh, first goal was a like a header off a corner. Um, on the, the
0: iron mark, yes, yeah, yeah,
1: it wasn't really great. And then, uh, and Did then you the goals guy, and
0: stoppage time,
1: yeah. Then, the oh, were they both stoppage time? I yeah. didn't even realize that. The, um, uh, I was, uh, I was, yeah, I was watching on fast forwarding it through on TSN a little bit. Um, I just saw the Ladero red card. Red card for the challenge of Ladero. That was that was pretty horrible.
2: Yeah. Like when
1: um, I first
0: saw, it, I was like, "What?" And the, then you
1: get the other angle, and you're like, "Ooh." The second, yeah, almost <laughs> broke his leg. The second, um, the second uh, Galaxy goal was the guy who they got from Frankfurt, who never played for Frankfurt, who like came off the bench and uh, uh, horrible, horrible playing at the back from uh, from San Jose. He just stripped the ball, went in alone, scored, and then. Pulled like a brandy chest thing where he pulled off his shirt and had his uh, Hot, his, his measurements, brand. his measurements shirt on underneath and <laughs> celebrated like he was, um, like he actually played for Frankfurt. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it, yeah it, I mean, it's good, good for the galaxy. There's a, a lot of, I know, a lot of stadiums as I watched the highlights of some of the other games that there's a lot of. Emptiness. Yeah. Yes. Like I was surprised the the Houston one as I watched the the Lodero stuff. Um and even um yeah the Galaxy one. I know that there's been major issues and it looked like you know ACB was back for the first time in a long time. Um but um yeah.
0: Yeah, it has to be concerning around the league, and I don't know how much the the Apple deal plays into this. We've talked about it. It's like if you're not seeing your team on TV, you start to lose interest.
2: Well, and... Apple, Apple's
1: so generous, Michael. they they started to give away. Yeah, three months, months at a time. Now, is that is that legit in Canada? Because I saw some people on Twitter saying in Canada they couldn't get it. Yeah, the
0: codes just seem to have worked in the US, but I don't know if anyone has managed to get the free month in Canada. Let us know and let us know what code you put in.
1: I think I saw one person who did, but I think I saw also saw JJ's tweet saying it's not working in Canada.
0: Yeah, but then they had this issue as well, though, when they rolled out the... Because a, a lot of media got free media. Yeah. Uh, for the so, so they can at least watch and cover the, the game. But the ones that they gave here in Canada were only valid in the US store. And you couldn't redeem them in the oh, US store right, because you had a right. Canadian address. So right. I think it's just little things like that that they're not... They may be rolling things out without thinking, ah, crap, we need a Canadian, because there's two countries in this league. Who would have thought they'd forget about Canada?
1: Well, it's remember, it's an American league, right? So, yeah.
0: top tier in Canada. Ah, it's like having these re- recurring conversations. But the standings out on top are Seattle 23 points from their 12 games, LAFC 21 from their 10, so they've got two games in hand. Then there's Five points separating St. Louis in third and the White Caps in eighth, then you've got three points separating Minnesota in ninth and Kansas City now in fourteenth. So it's getting very tight and I think it's just gonna yeah. tighten more. And if the White Caps lose the next two games, which realistically there's a, a good chance that they can, away to Dallas home to Seattle the time we do next week's show, they're gonna be, I think, on the outside of that playoff line looking upwards. They have to try and get at least a point from that Seattle game. I think it's massive for them.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, maybe they can get a point or more in, in Dallas. Yeah. I maybe mean a, I'm I'm writing them off. I know be, from my comments, but it's like it might be a happy hunting ground for them where, you know, Dallas continues to be a place where they get points.
0: Well it's what team they put out there as well. But if they are struggling like this on the road, they've got to find a way to win. Yeah. Just got to find a way to, to get points. And when it's tightening up like this, you go in a bad run of results and you're just going to get like sunk to the bottom like a stone, then you're going to have to put together that good run of results. So we'll see how it all goes. It's not all doom and gloom. There's still some bright things. I still think this is a good White Caps team. And once they can fully get that attack flowing, I I definitely see us still as playoff contenders, and it's still very early in the season. I mean, we're really just a a third of the way through, so there's still a long way to go. But that is pretty much it for our MLS chat for this episode. We're going to turn our attention to the Canadian Championship though next, and we'll be back with that after this.
3: Hi, I'm Simon Batcher, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Do you
2: remember a time when you were a girl from Mars? I don't know if you knew that I would stay up like playing cards And were winterman cigars And she never told me her name I still love you, the girl from Mars Sitting in a dreamy days by the water's edge on a cool summer night Fireflies and stars in the sky jump blowing light from your cigarette, the breeze blowing softly.
0: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month for the month of May here at AFTN. Irish band Ash, and that is a song from 1995, taken from their debut album 1977, reached number 11 in the UK charts. That was Girl From Mars, one of their more well-known songs. Do you remember I knew a girl from Mars? I don't know if you knew that. I always wanted to go out with a girl from Mars. Think of all the free chocolate you'd have got. (laughs) I'm sure that's what that song was about. We're going to turn our attention to the Canadian Championship in this part because what an interesting week at action. It was was crazy. That was four quarterfinals that all produced talking points for yep. very different reasons,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> but we'll we'll start chronologically. We'll we'll start on Tuesday night. Two matches in Ontario. Yep. And we'll start with the big one: Toronto, Montreal. The all MLS
1: oh. clash. Oh, let's start with the big one. Let's start with the other one.
0: You want to start with four? Well, okay. Let's start with yeah. four. Yeah. The all yeah. CPL clash.
1: Yeah.
0: That saw potentially one of the worst penalty shootouts.
1: Yes. You are going to see.
0: In I professional football
1: in Canada. It was cra- that was so bad.
0: Oh, we I- were... So, folk might not know this, but uh, I've mentioned it on the show before. I, I'm, I'm the media officer for TSS. So I was over with a team on the island for the game at Pacific. So our, our dinner, I think, was five o'clock on Tuesday at the hotel. Um. So we'd had dinner. And a few of us had our phones, and players had the phones, and they're watching the end of the TFC Montreal game. And then we knew that the Forge Ottawa game was going to penalties, and we're like, come on, switch over one soccer, which thankfully they did. So, all the, there was like three tables, and we're all huddled around devices watching the penalty shootout. So, I was watching it on Football, and then other folk were watching it on One Soccer. So, we we were all at different times of the shootout, and colin elms wasn't even watching it he was following it on bet 365 and he's going i can't believe so he was betting on it no he's just watching the instead of (laughs) what like he could have sat and watched us actually watch the pictures Uh... but he was watching on the phone so he was like i can't believe they missed that and we're like shut up we're trying to watch this (laughs) so there's a really fun dynamic going on i'm telling him to shut up he's going i've just got a feeling they're going to miss again I'd be like, shut up.
1: Okay, remind me though. Was it a one-one draw?
0: It was one-one after normal time. Forrest it, took the lead, and I, to be fair, I thought that was going to be them, just like, just win the game in, in regulation. By that point, but then Ottawa came back.
1: Was it a, a late? Was it a late penalty for Ottawa? No. No. Okay. No. I getting the game's all mixed up now.
0: Yeah. That it was. Oh, it was Kyle Becker with fourteen. 14, 15 minutes to go. Right. Uh, oh, no, it was a penalty. Sorry. Yeah, it was. was. It was Ollie Bassett. Yeah. 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 So much happened. I'm trying to think. Of, I'm mixing games up. Uh, yeah, you were right. It was Ollie, Ollie. Bassett that hit, hit the penalty.
1: Was it 1 1 then or was it 2 2 No, That I'm was 1 1. That was 1 1. Okay.
0: The, the penalties finished 3 right. 2 after one penalty was scored from the first six.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it was some horrible, horrible taking penalties.
0: It's like we were watching it, laughing, going, are these professional
1: footballers? True. I mean, there's
0: like, there was a couple of decent saves in there as well. Yeah. But... I mean, I'm, I'm saying about penalties being missed, but you've got to give a little bit of credit. I think the keeper has guessed right for pretty much every single penalty to, to start with. Yeah. But it it was awful. Because i try to remember who went first I think
1: I think Hamilton
0: no, I, went first I, isn't it? Otto, No, Ottawa went first Actually, let me pull this up Right, yeah. Ottawa went first, yep Malcolm Shaw missed Tristan Borges missed Ollie Bassett missed Noah Jensen scored Sam Salter missed Passias missed Then DeSantis and Ashinaughty Johnson scored Then Luke Singh scored Then Jordan Hamilton missed then Zach Verhoeven missed in sudden death. And then Abubakar cool, so got the winning penalty. So it was 3-2 oh, yes, after exactly. six rounds. But I I really felt for Zach Verhoeven. I know you won't care for him much after Saturday night's game. But former UBC man that I commentated on for his whole career. TSS Rovers player as well. So always... Like, always got a lot of time for Zach. We've chatted a lot over the years. I've watched him so much over the years. And after they got themselves back into it, I just felt for him so much that he just blasted that one over. But that yeah. that was horrible, horrible stuff. And what a wasted opportunity that was for Ottawa.
1: Oh, yeah, big time. Like, he, when I went to shoot, he thought, okay, there's a chance. Because I always think that, what's his name, uh... Tristan Henry's overrated in uh, C- in CPL. So He's I kind a of good like,
0: keeper, but I think he, he I think he peaked in that first year.
1: Well he he benefits from he benefits from having such a good team in front of him. Well,
0: yeah. But when but, you've had a David Edgar in front of you for a number of years. Yeah. And players of that elk. Um, but yeah, so I mean that 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 was an interesting game.
1: And, and speaking of the of the BC connection, it was uh was it not uh Melvin, right? It was Melvin.
0: Yeah, Melvin's been in goal yeah. for Ottawa now. Because
1: Ingham is injured for I don't know how long. He's yeah, a, yeah.
0: So the other game on Tuesday was the all MLS clash, and it finished Toronto one, Montreal two. Montreal went into a two goal lead. ZbG in the thirty fifth, offer in the thirty ninth, then Insignia pulls one back a minute before half time. Montreal, hold on, win two one. There's talking points on the pitch. (laughs) There was talking points off the pitch. Was there ever? From before and after the game. The the big incident before, which some of you may not have seen, if you if you're not on Twitter. Well, if you're not on Twitter, you're not going to have seen this.
1: Oh wow, okay.
0: Um. Toronto fans basically it kick,
1: was it be, was it was before kickoff?
0: Uh, yeah, this is what well this is what seems to have come out. It was before kickoff. Toronto fans basically just kicked the shit out of uh, some Montreal fans. Someone had posted in one of the Discord channels that what they've been told the version was. So, again, take this with a pinch of salt, was that the Montreal fans were being disrespectful during the national anthem. And the TFC fans took offense, and as you do, you then just kick the shit out of someone. I, but... thought, I
1: thought I also saw videos of uh, some Toronto people putting out videos of what what appeared could have been the the Impact supporters um, uh, approaching or aggravating things with um, Toronto fans that are in that upper. The, in that oh i haven't
0: section, seen over, any of that I, I did but, see fans talking I, about
1: I, I might have misunderstood like what i saw there in some of those videos but yeah but re- regardless i mean no matter no no matter what if it was taunting the anthem if it was uh you know things with other 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 non-supporter fans whatever like uh one issue that i can sympathize with in this whole scenario is a lack of appropriate security i was going to say exactly like, that like you can't i mean you experienced it this week with tss and you experienced the exact same thing that we experienced uh you know with with, with fanatics for the for the first uh ma- match over there there is a lack of understanding and there's a lack of appropriate security uh f- for four things and not not because and it's not like we we don't need a full yellow guard of security around away supporters but we definitely need more than what's um what's in what's in place right now because uh and, and there needs to be a little bit more education on like taunting and whatever. But well
0: I, I think but as but well. With, with,
1: with Montreal and Toronto though, it's it's on a different level.
0: Oh uh, the hatred's yeah.
1: on a different level and the and, and it the, goes
0: beyond soccer as oh, well. Yeah.
1: Oh totally. And the, but also the the possibility of, of violence or, or whatever is way higher because there's a history of it.
0: Yeah. But I also think there has to be an understanding, a better understanding, that it's fine to have away sections, and even if you've got security, but you can't then let the home fans walk past your section.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Because that yeah. happened on Wednesday night. It was a, a good natured game on Wednesday, there wasn't any trouble. But that is a recipe for disaster. No,
1: but that, I mean, that's, that's Michael, that's partly what led to the. The individual who yeah. threw the through the yeah. beer can. It was it wasn't just Apparicio's goal and the shushing. It was all the people walking by throughout the game, you know, showing their fingers and whatever, you know, yelling things and whatever. It was like a buildup of all of all that stuff, right? That well, like on Wednesday
0: there was little kids. Like if you oh, yeah. picture like being in the stand, and then to the left is that kind of big concourse area, and there was kids just throwing firecrackers constantly. And nobody came over to tell them to stop throwing them. Firecrackers,
1: I
2: don't think
0: yeah I that. Which it's like they could ended up have thrown them anywhere, and but then fo- like our guys were then going to get beer in that section, and there was firecrackers getting thrown, and it's like yeah, they, they need like I think Canada soccer's worst nightmare would have been if for something to kick off on Wednesday following what happened on Tuesday, but it was oh, always yeah. going to be a good-natured kind of affair, I think they were. It was a not some not a total love in, but there was a lot of respect between the the fans and, and everything because we're obviously a, a minnow that went there as opposed to like a league rival. But it just takes one idiot that's had yeah. a few too much drinks and then says something and then stuff like when you feel your team's been robbed by a, a penalty, somebody to say the wrong thing and something yeah. can kick off very, very quickly. Totally. And I don't know that we will ever get the full thing as to what happened in in Toronto. Montreal were quick to react by banning all the TFC fans for this game on Saturday, which I totally get why, and I think it was the right decision. It's shitty, though, if you're a TFC fan that's booked a trip, accommodation, flights, train, whatever, because you're not going to get that back. So you either go and you end up not going to the game, or you get a ticket and don't wear any colours, or you're—it's just—it's not ideal to have it at such short notice. Um The other—and
1: some Toronto fans did go.
0: Ah, I didn't—I didn't know if they did or all, but I would well, imagine I'm pretty, that they did. I'm pretty—I'm
1: pretty sure I saw some pictures of some yeah.
0: people. The. The investigation then saw four fans banned for life from all MLSE arenas. Now, they didn't say who the fans were and whether it was for that incident or or this other incident we're going to talk about or both. I imagine it's from both. Yeah. Because the the end-of-the-game incident was bizarre. Mark-Anthony Kaye is coming over And apparently he was one of the few TFC players that came over and applauded the fans.
1: There was only three or four. Yeah. Apparently much of the squad just said, yeah, this is awful. We need to get out here.
0: And then he, he got into it with one of the capos from one of the sections. I don't know what group it was or what. But it ended up with the capo throwing his megaphone onto the pitch towards Kay and the players as they walked away. What the fuck is going through his head?
1: Wow. So, I mean, we, we don't have to have a long discussion now about this, but I mean, there are some of these, some of the, some of the, some of the people in a couple, one or two of the sections and groups in Toronto have a different s- style approach that is, you know, kind of foreign to, to, to North America in terms of how you, how you hold your players accountable for, you know, Especially the their, well, the poor form they're in, the, but the ultimate sin for them is the is losing to Montreal, and I can't imagine what it's like after losing twice to Montreal now. But but um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, the, I so get these that, people, but you don't to throw people, a megaphone watch no, no. your own player. No, but I mean, but honestly, some of these people, Michael, come from the school of like, yeah, like the, the kind of the ultra movements, in, in you see in Europe where it's like, you know, um, you would have seen them in, like all the players over to ask for their shirt, their jerseys because not because they want their game worn jersey, because the players aren't worthy to wear the yeah. jersey because they've been so poor. Or they storm their dressing rooms like Sporting yeah, Husband. Yeah. So again, I'm, I'm not condoning any of that. I'm just saying this is the culture from which it comes. Right. So. Me- I, Megaphone violence awareness month will be coming up. Oh my goodness. But I, I think, and I'm not sure who it was either. I, I thought I, 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 I'm, I know some of those people over there, and I can't quite tell if the person who threw the megaphone is is one of the individuals I know or not. Um, and I haven't reached out. <laughs> I haven't reached out yet because I'm sure, I'm sure there's been lots of people reaching out. Um, yeah,
0: because it would be interesting to know if it was from that incident as well that led. Oh, to I'm sure. Anything. Oh, that yeah.
1: Well, it only looked like there was two, like maybe three or four Toronto fans who attacked the Montreal fans mm-hmm. or got into Sorry, got into it with the Montreal fans, right? So yeah, um, yeah. I, I think they'll 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 ban those people, and then they'll they'll I, the person who threw the megaphone. I assume will get banned as well. I mean, part of the frustration from other people in Toronto is, um, there was the incidents obviously at the uh, the game in Ottawa and the Voyagers Cup with yeah. the with the fire. The you know. It wasn't, I, I don't think it was a planned fire, obviously. It was just a, an incident with a flare that kind of came off the wrong way. Um, and, uh, like, the, like, the group was banned and whatever, but then the group just renamed and all the same people were back, right? So, and now there's talk about how do they actually, without facial recognition stuff, how do they actually keep these people from being in the stadium or whatever? Right? Like, there's all these different kind of questions around how this will actually play out and what it actually means and... Yeah,
0: I mean, what they do in England is they have to sign in at their local police station on Match Day.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, don't think it, I we're don't, quite
0: at that level. Over no,
1: here. no. Well you see, you see that, that happens. That happens in other places as well. I think in Italy.
0: Oh yeah, in that film that, that we film watched, yeah. The, uh, outros, yeah, but they were doing that as well. Which yeah,
1: I don't think. Yeah, I think that's based on some things from Italian culture. I think <laughs> the, um,
0: the the disappointing aspect of this for me, and interested in your taking this as well. So like you're trying to help grow supporter culture here in BC Mm -hmm. and you have been for a number of years Mm -hmm. and what we both want we like we might approach things differently or what we kind of want to see from fans at Grindr and whatever but we're on the same page and that to help grow this game you need healthy supporters and a healthy away support Mm -hmm. helps grow games helps grow rivalries helps grow interest and communities and everything like that. And it's these little incidents that can spoil that because the more of them that happen, Canada soccer can turn around and go, there'll be no away fans for this.
1: You're right. There's potential for that. I feel like the CSA w- wouldn't do that for the Voyagers Cup because obviously the games are midweek and it's a struggle to, to get them anywhere near the stadiums anywhere near full, Um so I, I don't I don't see that necessarily. I think the, the, we might be having a different conversation if this was, let's say, one of those Eastern MLS clubs and a CPL club, you know, that has less history. But I think because it's Toronto and Montreal, and it's this was both MLS, two MLS clubs, and people with history, right? Like our groups with history. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't I don't know that. I don't know that the reaction will be that harsh. I mean, obviously, no, I be, mean, I, I, I don't think whatever. they're at
0: that level yet. Right, but, but it's uh, like if
2: this is not keeps helpful. I, agree happening, with you.
1: I, I totally agree with you. It's not helpful. Um, I, I think it also. I hope that in these remaining games of the Voyagers Cup, and also in the remaining league games, especially in the Canadian Premier League, but also for the the MLS teams that play in the American League, I think that hopefully there there are. Um, better stories of of how fans one behave and to interact with each other and and whatever because in the seat in the C in the cpl right like it it's yeah, i don't
0: remember only... for example reading anything that kicked off between edmonton and cavalry fans
1: no no i mean the worst thing was edmonton fans and tore up some seats at pacific but like but no but that's the thing is that the the C a lot of the cpl groups it's almost like a love fest right like they yeah which is which is not bad, but can also not be helpful for growing rivalry. Yeah, I'm with 22. you on that, yeah. It's a little bit like... Um,
0: See, what I love about League One, and I'm meaning like League One across Canada, Yeah, is because it's all localized, you've got that potential that as teams grow, as teams get supporters groups, as teams get just mums and dads, families, fans, just whatever, They'll start to travel, and you'll well get away fans at, at games, and we haven't quite obviously reached those levels yet here in BC. TSS for the games in the lower mainland, their Swan Guardians, they, they go to those as a good turnout. Altitude travel in numbers as well, and it, it's just like growing these clubs and growing mm-hmm. these communities, and I I love. Nothing more than being at a game. where You've got both sets of fans, and you've got dueling chants going back and forward. Just makes such a wonderful atmosphere.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it, I, we, we, I couldn't hear them, but it was great to have. There were at least thirty-seven cavalry fans at that the first game at LEC, and like just there was
0: about forty Zach Verhoven family members that were out well, on, on Saturday. That's what it looked like on, on camera.
1: Yeah, but they only sing when there's when there's they one one of the Verhoven's was scoring, I think. <laughs> yes. Um but, yeah,
0: you um, you have a goal Verhoven,
1: <laughs> But um no, I, I agree with you. I think when it comes to the like when it comes to like not just the supporter culture, but just like support in general, yes, we're in a place where not just in BC, but in the country, we're still, this is all about growth, right? This is all about, because there is a, and some people have been having this conversation in different places. There is this, we're in this place where we don't have the people to, who like love these clubs so much that they're there no matter what, right? Like no one's there, literally. no. You can't even say that. I don't think about Montreal and Toronto Mm -hmm. and MLS even. And obviously definitely not about the white caps. um, but there's not enough people who like l- love football to the level that they're going to be there no matter what for their local club, because they want it to succeed. Right. And I'm talking about not just like in the supporter and I'm talking about in the stadium as a whole. And so we're, I think everyone is trying to grow all the, all parts of their stadium, the supporters part, the corporate areas, you know, and, yeah. uh, because you need it all for it to work you, you need it all right no one's at a place where they're they're kind of turning anyone away and so it, it's the the growth is um is slow but i i think there are some positive signs and there's some positive we've been talking you know you and i just about there's challenges but you can view challenges as um barriers or you can view them as opportunities mm-hmm. and i think Uh, you know there are a lot of really exciting opportunities across across all levels of the game in our province and i would argue you know in our country in in general um because it's exciting one of the things that's been exciting for me in this process especially the last year or so is just meeting people who are excited to um, be involved more than they've ever been before whether that's a season ticket whether that's in uh, help creating the atmosphere, whether that's in um, you, know, you know, painting stuff and like making the, the stadium more, you know, uh, their own and welcoming. And well, you know, when, all when that you kind of did stuff. your
0: thank you post on the Fanatics Facebook for everything that had happened for the home opener, I was very impressed by how many folk you, you were thanking because of how much involvement that you'd had.
1: Yeah, and that, then that, I mean, that was because of the approach to making tifo that was obviously smaller than than it hopefully will be as things go forward right because you you kind of need to start with people that you trust and know or have the same philosophy as you and moving forward as you get to know more and more people and they buy more and more to that philosophy then that group hopefully even grows even to bigger bigger than it is which means you can do things quicker or more efficiently and uh maybe even larger and all those that's another whole other conversation but yeah for me it's exciting to see that things are growing and and also with the fanatics for for me too it's not just people in the supporter and we have people in all different parts of the stadium because of different issues whether it's accessibility whether it's family whether it's age whether it's you know uh mobility like you know ability to get burnt to a crisp no oh yeah no you know we'll talk about that later but it wasn't as nearly as bad as i thought it was going to be to be honest yeah i was surprised at that um but um but yeah so we're in this growth mode across the country and i think we need to encourage one another you know what i mean like as opposed to But you
0: also need to have the authorities on your side, and it's incidents like this that get the authorities not so much on your side.
1: Yes, yeah, that's fair. That is fair.
0: Let's move on to Wednesday, because all the action was on the pitch on Wednesday, and it was Whitecaps 4, York 1. Now, we were all watching the first half of this in the hotel before we had to head off to the the stadium Mm -hmm. for the TSS game. We saw the shit half because the yeah. second half was fantastic. Yeah, first half was pretty bad. But I, I PVR'd in football and I haven't actually fully watched the back. I've just watched the highlights. But I mean, Vancouver turned it up a notch. And I think it, it did feel that if Vancouver got that first goal, if the Caps got that first goal, then they would push on and have a comfortable victory. But, and they did in the end.
1: And, but it's also, uh... York kind of self-destructed, if I remember correctly. Well, they
0: did. I mean, the the, the caps had twenty-seven shots.
1: Yeah. York managed yeah, yeah. six. Well, what, what, what was the first goal?
0: Um, it, well, it was great to see uh, another Cookby on the score sheet for oh, right. the yeah, right caps exactly. again.
1: Exactly. So the the the, the dam burst on an own goal. Right. Again, we're talking about own goal. Own goals yep. earlier. I think it was Rusty who took took the shot. Right.
0: Yeah kind of fired one and fire in, crashed off the crossbar and then unfortunately for Elijah wrong place at the wrong time and ends up in the back of the net and then the dam is burst by that point
1: yeah and but, but as much as you, you felt like uh York kind of gave that one away unfortunately the second one was just as bad or worse
0: yeah, I kind of felt bad a little bit, though, for Sopolis because he'd had a really good game. He did a string of good saves. Mm-hmm. And then just seemed to go on a bit of a walkabout.
1: Yeah, with that outside-the-box header and then falls to Betcher and he lops, kind of lobs him slash everyone else from what, five, ten yards outside the box or whatever. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's the confidence Betcher's got just now. And, yeah. I mean, the third goal, it's Levante Johnson, mentioned him in the last part. Goal of the night, Pedro Vitti with the assist, and just the thought of having Betcher and Johnson as a front two, oh, the damage that could
1: cause. Johnson's finish, uh, the move, and the finish with the sort of the sort of chip, sort of with the outside of his right foot was yeah, it was the, it was by far the best part of the the whole match. Um, with, I think, York's goal, you
2: know... Yeah, Austin Ricci
0: scored in the 90th, and it was a long-ranger. It was it was well taken. But it, by that point, obviously, the game was done and dusted, and then two minutes into stoppage time, Gressel fires home from the spot, and it's a 4-1 victory. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the most dominant performance from any of the four quarterfinals on the night, and... The Whitecaps win, set up a BC Derby, mm-hmm. and it was just going to be a question of was it going to be travel over to play Pacific again, or could TSS pull off the shock? And obviously I could do a whole show about that <laughs> TSS game, but we won't because we're already over an hour into this one. But it was uh, another special night, and it, like the Valor game, is right up there my top five football experiences of all time. It was just phenomenal. This probably will be in the top ten somewhere, just mm. because I got to travel with the team, eat with them, be in tactic talks with them, in the locker room with them, bus with them. So it was a side of it that I haven't experienced really before. I've travelled over with TSS before in the PDL for just games and. It's, it's not the same because you just you're on the bus and the ferry with them and that's it
2: yeah
0: um but to be more involved in it 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 was an eye-opening experience in a number of ways but one of them in particular was about just how professional they do things they have two analysts that are going through video and uh, I want to give a big shout out to Ryan Lindsay, who's the senior analyst with TSS. He's based in Winnipeg. He spent hours, I, th- I think he said something that was like, it was about 150 hours off on each player that he was like delving in to do the video stuff. Even the, the night before the game, we're all in Colin Elm's room, just having a chat and some drinks and snacks. And he's still beavering away, working out and looking at these clips and showing Willie stuff about, oh, look, this is how this guy does that, this is how we play that. The amount of work he put in was phenomenal. And the professionalism that everyone at TSS had, we brought over trainers, we brought over massage people and everything for the game. And from the feedback we've had, it's stuff that CPL teams aren't doing, which kind of lets you... Into how maybe far behind some of these CPL teams are.
1: Well, TSS is dealing with no budgetary limitations, though, right? CPL teams have budgets on what on how yeah, much they for, can spend for, on, on for all things. their
0: staff, is included. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, but plus TSS has all that money their owners put into the club, right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> it's like Scrooge McDuck. We're just rolling in this just now. But that is something that I think the CPL CSB needs to look at, is extending this budget to let these teams do that.
1: Afshin, is that you? (laughs) I'm
0: channeling my inner Afshin. But, I mean, it, it was a fantastic experience. The game itself was tremendous. TSS were the better team in the first half. Like, they took the game to Pacific. I don't think Pacific expected them to come out on the front foot like that. I thought Pacific would kind of just go for the jugular in the first 10 minutes, but TSS just did not let them get into the game much.
1: A couple of things. One, I I might be totally wrong on this. I think the beginning of the game, I didn't get to watch live because I was at work. The second half of the game, I got to watch, or the last hour of the game, I got to watch totally live. But um, I felt a little bit like part of Merriman's plan was I think he felt like the longer it went on, the more they had the advantage. Yeah. Because of their conditioning, because of their experience, all that kind of stuff. Because TSS
0: tired. It was very, it was a visible tiring team.
1: So, one of the things I know I did not see live, but I have seen on the highlights was what we talked about multiple times. And what is still a major issue (laughs) going even into this weekend was in that fifth minute, you had that shot. And Emil It wasn't I mean, Emil. Emil It was the. It was the backup. It was basket right? Oh yes, I forgot. So the backup lets the ball slip through his hands, but it goes over the net this time instead of from our the, angle. We all thought that was in. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I forgot it wasn't Emil Because yeah. you, you saw Emil this weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that maybe later, but um, but no, yeah, it was. They, I, they badly need a good goalkeeper to go yeah. in there. Oh, totally. But yeah, but so fifth minute, TSS has this shot, and I thought, oh, like yeah, that 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 could have obviously turned the turned the tides of thing. But but like I said, I think that Merriman knew that the longer things went that where they were either level or in the lead, it was to their advantage. Yeah,
0: the thing is before the game, so one soccer speak to both coaches. So I'm standing on the pitch with Willie, waiting for to bring him over. I Merriman's talking, and. Like we'd had debate the night before. I thought Merriman would put out a very strong lineup. Mm-hmm. Some of the other guys felt, no, he'll he'll feel that they can get through this without putting out the strong team. And I was like, no, no, he has been talking up that they see this as their easiest route to the Champions League because you only have to win four games at home, and you're in the Champions League next year. True. And he's mentioned that on calls, that they see that and that they're taking this very seriously. So I wasn't surprised at all that it was a really strong team that he put out. But before the game, Merriman, whilst Willie's listening to him, said, he was asked about the strong team and said, yeah, we we want to run the numbers up tonight to to get a bit of confidence in the team. Oh. That didn't work out for him very well then. No. But Willie hears that, goes into the... The locker room, and it's like there's there's your pre-game team talk. Yeah, do you think totally. they can go and run the numbers up on us?
1: Yeah, that's awkward. That yeah. seems awkward from James. I, um, I think it
0: was just bravado and and stuff as well. But I genuinely think they thought they could probably do that. And if they had scored early, there is a good chance they could have done that.
1: The the other w- highlight from the first half, which again I don't think I saw live, was when. Um, um, your the boy tail. there, Felice, yeah, had the ball yeah. back. The ball was out of bounds, right? Is that what
0: it, it? it went behind. It was the yeah, right okay. decision. It definitely it, went behind. But again, but the again keeper... from my angle, the, the thing, we were, we just erupted because we thought it was in.
1: Yeah, and the, the keeper again looked dodgy. I,
0: I have no idea what he even thought he was doing.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> the ball comes in and it's obviously out of play. If you watch
0: the fans behind the goal as well, the Pacific fans, they're yeah. all like... <gasps> yeah totally but it it was the right decision so what wasn't the right decision was that it was then awarded as a corner it was either a goal or a goal kick it took no deflection from anyone it was not a corner
1: oh yeah that's awkward
0: yeah so that that was like um okay we've disallowed the goal let's just give him a corner but that was as good as it got for tss they tired in that second half and it was all pacific in the second half and the penalty, if if they hadn't got that penalty, could TSS have held on to take it to penalties? Possibly. I feel the goal was coming. I just feel that they were slowly turning the screw Pacific and they were going to get the breakthrough at some point. But the penalty was shocking. And Heard basically goes on TV afterwards and admits that he dived.
1: Well, he's no. He says, "I felt contact and went. went I down felt from. the
0: slightest of touches and went down. Yeah, which that's I, what you do in a situation like that.
1: I don't. I don't fully blame him for that. But
0: no, and I would say if one of our guys had done it,
1: you would have been happy for yeah, it.
0: Yeah, it's like fair, fair play. It's just in some ways, it's a testament to how well TSS played." that professional team felt they had to do that to get the breakthrough because they're maybe worried it wasn't coming.
1: I don't think it they worried they weren't coming. I think they would have done that against, you know, an MLS team. Like, I don't, I don't think that mattered. That, it, But, yeah, it was... It, it it proved to be, you know, decisive. But, I mean, ultimately... And, obviously, the the penalty makes space for what ends up to, to be the, the the most quality moment of the night, which is the second goal. But Yeah,
0: which... Again, if there was lines, may have been offside with the finish, not yeah. in the initial pass. He was definitely onside, mm-hmm. but the finished from the angle on TV, it looks like mm-hmm. he's a step off. But yeah, yeah. hey, I'd rather well, not well, have lines and stuff. And
1: like I text you at the time, like yeah, I think you know the league I watch the most, and I think does the best with VAR is the Bundesliga. Yeah, and I think yeah, both your. I think both you, both the, you, the goals you had against you, I think would definitely would have been evaluated, and I think at least one of them might have gone your way.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, the the penalty, like Mike Victoria Gunnar, uh, who is yeah, a, a referee. referee, he said VAR wouldn't have overturned that because yeah. you can't be a hundred percent sure that there wasn't a clip.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I think with with VAR, it's the, do they feel it's clear and obvious for the referee to to look at it to to see something he didn't he or she didn't see and so i think that eh, they might they might have had them have a look
0: yeah but i mean at the end of the day i think pacific were the the better team overall they've gone through and i think tss to a man can be very proud of how they played i mean Mm -hmm. you saw what pacific did to york today yeah and it's like TSS made them work hard for that victory. James said that afterwards. I, I want to give a big shout-out to Pacific, who were wonderful hosts. Mm-hmm. They gave TSS, the staff, and the non-playing players that had made the trip a sweep for it. They moved the fans to the better section when it looked like we had sold more than 100 tickets and it was going to be a very tight squeeze in the bleachers. The James Merriman and the coaching staff handed drinks in at the end of the game to... Willie and his coaching staff. So a a lot of quality and there was a lot of mutual respect. And that's how the game should be. And I think TSS put themselves on the map. People Mm -hmm. across Canada know about TSS now. They know about League One. And if this helps grow League One and helps grow teams to be a bit more professional or or to see this and have... I thought of we can go in this competition and actually win some games here. All, all more power to them. It, it was just a wonderful journey. It was a wonderful story. And it's what Canadian soccer needs. We've had it in the US Open Cup over the years. We've had a few mm-hmm. shock results down there this season. Yep. And that, like, Cavalry beating the White Caps was great.
1: Yeah, it Pacific was huge. beating
0: the White Caps, even bigger. With you, yeah. TSS massive step for 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 this as well and i hope we keep seeing it because that is i want this canadian championship to be thought of in canada as a massive thing and it isn't yet but games like this get folk talking about it it gets more notice so yeah here's to more of them next year i'd love to see the, the tournament opened up a bit more
1: what are you thinking for more So, obviously, you're going to have the the CPL clubs. So, it's eight. You're going to have the three MLS sides. That's 11.
0: Yeah. I'm not at this stage, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I have been against this before. I don't think you should let in every League One club. Okay. Because it's too much for some of these clubs to try and host a game or to play a game like this. They just don't have the infrastructure. Yep. So it definitely should be the champions across all League Ones. League One Alberta, Maritimes when it comes, the Prairies or whatever. They should definitely all get in. And if these teams end up having to play a playoff round, fine.
1: But so for next year, if there's those 11 other teams, then you got what? League One BC, League One Ontario, League One Quebec?
0: Yep, so that takes it to 14. I'd like to see 16.
1: 16 would be nice. Now,
0: we might have an expansion CPL team. It's probably uh, looking unlikely, I think, for twenty four.
1: But I, I don't think twenty four. Yeah.
0: Um. So then you've got the interprovincial championship that comes up, which is going to crown the winners from all the League One BC, Ontario and Quebec, because with League One BC, it's not who the champions are, it's right. who's top of the table at the regular season.
1: So again, so that's uh that would be a club from one of the league ones. Yeah. I would
0: also like, and again, it might not be feasible depending who wins it, the the top amateur team to get in, the the Challenge Trophy winner.
1: Yeah, which is something that the CSA has avoided to this point for probably those logistical and financial reasons. Yeah, but uh, you've
0: got a side like BB5, when they won the the Nationals, they could have gone, like half the, the TSS team was a BB5 team.
1: Yeah. What about Michael? Then, if we're at fourteen with those those numbers, what if the the two clubs, assuming they're not one of those other three from League League One, what are the two finalists in that that tournament?
0: Yeah, I'd be all for that as well.
1: Because how many how many clubs are in the in that, that the there'll, be, the there'll be
0: four in the interprovincials this year, and right. then it'll the, open but, up
1: the host and the other three. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's two from BC because we're hosting it.
1: Right. Who's hosting it, do we know? TSS. Oh, TSS. So they're in the... Okay, yeah. But it's not Swan
0: Guard because the the stadium's getting redeveloped. I
1: remember you telling me that. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, it could be that TSS are in as hosts or it could be that TSS are in as champions. So, in that case, I would imagine if there's a different regular season champion and overall champion, they would put the other one of those in. But some teams, it's awkward because it's August and their players are away back to college.
1: Right, yes, yeah.
0: This is the, the bad thing about the Canadian football and calendar, it's all over the shop, yeah, because you've got the college teams away for pre season, like SFU go away a lot for pre season, so they're down to the, the US a lot. And there's
1: obviously, I'm sure SFU will like cancel the program by then, right?
0: <laughs> I, I want to have a good discussion about that because <laughs> I don't understand, like, not on this show. I, I don't understand <laughs> why they don't just move everything back to Canada West because their players are being disadvantaged because they can't go in the, the CPL draft. So if if the football program ends up going back to Canada West, yeah. move the whole shebang.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd love
0: to see SFU battling it out with UBC and... Trinity Western and Canada West It would just be fantastic
1: Oh yeah I think it would totally I mean there's great rivalry amongst The the schools in BC already And that would just add to
0: it Well, And you've got it in the Bowl and the football side that that they play regularly as well SFU and UBC So yeah hopefully they can move back But we'll have that discussion another day I think that's a good time to wrap up Our Canadian Championship chat It's already going to be a long show We've got a so, couple yeah. of interviews to bring you still.
1: So, so the semi-finals, Pacific are hosting the Whitecaps. Caps.
0: Well, Have... BC still be purple. I'm heading yeah, no. over to it. We've booked a, a little trip away. We're going to stay in Sydney for a few days and nice. go to the game, and then go a little bit to the north of the island.
1: And then Montreal's hosting Forge. Yeah, Forge. And they've had, they've had some with... great battles. Yeah,
0: Forge always it... fancying that, but I think Montreal started to turn things around, which I didn't see coming, I've got to say. Yeah. That's maybe one of the biggest surprises of the the last few weeks. But yeah, we'll see where it takes us. It's a great tournament. Looking forward to the semi-finals. All we know is the final is going to be hosted in BC. We'll be on the island. We'll be a BC place. That is it for the Canadian Championship chat. We're going to continue, though, talking about TSS in the next part as we bring you the last ever interview was Will Cromack as TSS head coach. And we'll <laughs> was, be back with that after As I say he's dying? <laughs> no, he's still going. And he's never leaving the club, as you'll find out during the interview. But we'll be back with that soon. Hey, it's Levante Johnson. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's American-Canadian band Conquer Divide with their new single, Welcome to Paradise. It's taken from their upcoming second album, Slow Burn, which is going to be released in September. And I've played that for a couple of reasons. It's a fantastic song. But the drummer in Conquer Divide is actually a friend of my wife, Caitlin, Samantha Landa. Uh, She's joined them as drummer in 2020 and they are about to go on a North American tour with former Artist of the Month here at AFTN, Electric Cowboy. Hmm. So, they're not playing Vancouver. I'm absolutely gutted because (laughs) Samantha's from Vancouver, so I'm sure she would have loved that home. date. They are playing Seattle, so I'm going to see if Caitlin can hit her up for some VIP passes to get backstage in that show. Pretty sure most of her family might be doing that though as well, so we'll, we'll see. They did collaborate on a, a song on the Electric Cowboy's last album, Techno, called Fuckboy. Fun video, you can check that out. So, talking of fuckboys, Big Willie, Big Willie Cromack. How's that for a segue? It is, it is. It's 1am it's <laughs> in the morning. I'm struggling here, I've got to say. Yeah. We're both yawning. I'm trying to get the best segway I can. But yeah, Will Cromack, his game against Pacific on Wednesday was his last match in charge as head coach for TSS Rovers. It's been a fantastic journey. He's been involved with the club since he started the adult team in 2017 oh. and way before that in the academy as well.
1: Colin finally sacked him.
0: It's brutal. You, you lose a cup game and that's you. You're gone.
1: That's worse than what happens at Bayern Munich.
0: Well, he he ordered a hamburger. He he mulled it over in the hotel in, in Langford, and then that was the end for Will. Let him go on the ferry on the way home. But I sat down with Will for a chat on that ferry on the way home, just to talk talk about his journey with his team. Took over as head coach in 2019 for the USL PDL season, or I think it was League Two it had been rebranded by that point, and then led the club to a championship in League One BC last year, and then this historic cup run. Very emotional, Will, on Wednesday. He gave a wonderful speech on the bus home, which I, I won't share. It's obviously just for within the club, but there were tears, and you, you know what this club means to him. He, he's been through a lot with them. He was kind of the guy that spearheaded the share ownership. So go stick the kettle on. Grab a biscuit of choice and listen to our our last ever chat as head coach anyway with Will Cromack. And a
2: robin, a robin, a robin, I'll go.
0: Okay, well, we're on the ferry back the morning after, the night before. <laughs> how you feeling just about Well, first of all, how you feeling about this game?
4: Um well, the game is, is always, you know, it hurts. You don't like to lose. Uh, there's nothing about that that ever feels good if you're a competitor, which I consider myself. I can't go out there and kick the ball anymore, though. But, um, you know, really I'm I'm proud. Like, I'm proud of the club and the players. Um, yeah, like... That that's the biggest emotion that I have. It's like the pride of what the club was able to accomplish and how the, the lads presented themselves. They present, you know, like pros. Like that's where they want to go, and that's what they presented themselves like. So, for me, the on off the field was symbiotic. Like, I just think it was the club's done an exceptional job, and we should all be proud of ourselves as well. Yeah,
0: you talked in the build up to this. You were you weren't you weren't wanting to be embarrassed, like, by the whole cup run, not just this game last yeah. night. And then we saw the great performance against Valor. And I think most folk watching that game against Pacific have you pegged as being the better team
4: in that first half? Yeah, I mean, I'm not ever going to be the guy who's going to say that we were the better team. There's some really, like, there's no holes in that Pacific roster, uh, I I think, top to bottom. Um, I I would say that's one of the top two teams in the league right now. Um, Really well put together, well run. Uh, very classy in the way that they uh, supported us. We did what we came to do uh, for 60 minutes. And, you know, we had to chase the game after the penalty, um, which, you know, again, was hard, dead legs, and we got pushed back more and more and more. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say we were better. I would say we did what we wanted to do and what we thought we had to do in, uh, in light of who we were playing.
0: Wanna talk about a couple of things from the game. So when Mateo had the ball in the back of the net, I mean it, the ball had carried behind when yeah. you see it back. But when it went in, what was your emotions like at that point?
4: Oh, I was looking to see if it was out. Um, you know, we were hoping. <laughs> um, you know, the, the the first shot that the keeper bobbled. Oh. Uh, you know, that was I probably going in. Well that was a moment <laughs> where we were like, Oh man, already? Um so yeah, there's a couple little little uh, moments. I mean, I thought right after they scored the penalty, uh, where we went down and uh, Eric took a pop, um, close. Um, those those were all little moments of hope. And sometimes when you're watching as a coach, if you're really honest, you're you're just a close close spectator, trying to make adjustments if you can. It's hard to adjust in a game where you're not having the ball much. Um, it's difficult, but yeah, there was a few moments where you you got got your
0: hopes up the penalty I won't talk about the referee because they want to get you fined I don't know if you can still get fined now after the yeah. game or not but um, <laughs> when we to get paid <laughs> oh that's true when you when you see Josh Erd come out afterwards and not use the word that he died but basically I felt a little contact so you go down in a situation like that it's I mean our guys would probably have done the same maybe I I would as a a player but is it disappointing just to hear a guy just be so blatantly come out and say that
4: well I think the game most certainly around the world is hoping to clean up uh, areas like that in the box out of the box Um, he's a professional you know He's, he's done his time through UW he's been a Pacific guy now all the way through he's a professional that's what you do and uh you can't be upset about it because if that was on the other foot you'd, you'd take it yeah. so um, you know 24 hours later or whatever night sleep sort of later it's a professional uh, uh, attempt to at win the game and they did and all the power to them
0: this whole cup run this whole adventure I think it's been magical being part of it it's been fantastic and being in at the ground and just been over with the team for this and here and everything, and all the, the tactics. It's such a professional setup that this has. And although everyone's talking about, oh, it's a semi pro team, this is an amateur team. Yep. But what you've established here, what Colin's established here, everyone, it's so professional. You've got analysts, you've got proper trainers. You look at the training on the pitch before the, these two games, and it's like, against Valor it was light years ahead of what Valor were doing pre-match just talk a little bit about the professionalism of this club
4: yeah you know I mean I think when we set this up and uh, and even going right into the fan ownership and uh, you know supporters becoming a part of it we, we always aspired to be what we hoped we could be for the players so what that meant was standing in a space where if the best clubs in the world do it how can we find a way to do it um, and you know, that's that's what it is. I mean, could we do that for 32, 34 games a year? Uh, unlikely because guys have to, you know, pay for their food and, and, and shelter and whatnot. Um, but the, the aspiration of being the best, like a pro team, and learning that so that we can then stand in a space for, like we say, you shouldn't be here next year. Um, so if you've learned and you've committed for the season, do it at the professional level. Then you can put it on your resume, and we'll back you to the hilt uh, that you did that analyst job or that trainer job or the coaching job or the playing job or media, whatever that might be. Do it at the best of your ability. Aspire to a pro level, and then leave and go get a real job uh, in in the space because you know hopefully our our um, backing you know, has um, some credibility now because of what we've accomplished. And um, and I think that's where we, you know, essentially stand now, is, is just carry that on. Everybody should come, give their best, uh, get some experience, fail with us, so that they don't do it when they go to a, a pro environment and, and truly get paid.
0: One of your post-game things that's got a lot of play since you said it was yeah, your impassioned talk about communities and building that across Canada and we've seen it here it's like in, in League One I would say TSS and Altitude Rivers maybe built the, the best communities um, in at this level here in BC but just talk a little bit about how important this needs to be going forward and how the doors can't be shut for clubs like TSS the doors like financially it's a lot to put a game on but you want to have this chance to play on a, on a partly level playing field
4: at least yep yeah, I mean, listen. Like the world is full of communities that that uh, emotionally own their club. The, the biggest story in the world right now is Wrexham. Um, you know, thousands of people who've had, you know, had to buy their team out of administration and and keep them alive, and then along comes of white knights. Um, you know, those stories exist because the community wanted that team and the community owns that team, um, whether they're the financial owners or not. And I think we miss that in North America because we spend so much time thinking about how we can make money off the sport and not enough on how we can build a community that everybody's prospering. Um, you mentioned altitude. I, I love the cultural idea of, of you know, different types of people coming in and, and giving their spin on what football is um, in you know the, the East we've got all these communities, the Portuguese communities the Polish communities, the, the uh, Indo like it, they all have different expressions of how football could be with a Canadian twist And the more we embrace that, in my opinion, Uh, the more money will come into the system uh, from sponsors, from partners, from people that just want to be a part of building their own community, whatever that city might be. And um, when we do that, we have to be ready from a governance standpoint to allow them in to a competition because they've met a standard uh, that's been laid in front of them and um, now they want to be a part of the competition as well so I think you start with the community and what it means to people and then build access through going we need those people to be able to come into this
0: Two last things so a lot of folk listen to this they'll know that you're moving on from TSS now because you've got your day job you're you're now living in Ontario so you have left the club and we've talked before this was your special moment coming back What, what is next for you?
4: Yeah, well, first of all, I'm never leaving the club. Uh, I'm moving upstairs. I'm now the assistant to the assistant to the assistant sporting director, general manager, and social media guy. Um, yeah, so it pays about the same as it did before. Um, no, I'll help uh, with the ownership stuff and, and making sure that we're on, um, you know, just an administrative side, uh, continuing to build what we want. It's someone else's turn to coach. Someone else's turn to fill the water bottles and make sure everything's going right. For me, um, you know, I'm youth soccer coach, so I'll always, wherever I hang my hat, go out and try and help kids get better and let the chips fall where they may as far as uh, coaching and, and whatnot. But I'll always be involved in the game. So got have got to referee a game tomorrow, so that's the way we do it in Canada. I try to help build some kids uh, so they, they fill these spots and go and play in a Canadian championship one day.
0: So the last thing, when you got on the bus last night, you had a very emotional and impassioned speech, which I won't go into exactly what was said, but it's saw what this club meant to you. I don't want to get you all upset again, but just talk about what this has meant to you on a personal level, just this group of guys, just from starting everything off with Colin and getting this adult team to, to where it has now become.
4: Yeah, you know, I think that... I speak about these communities because I wanted to build one. Um, There wasn't places to play for kids. There wasn't places to coach for guys like me. So, you know, in my world, you just build it and see what happens. So we're driving buses up and down. So some of the stuff that people don't see, some of the work that goes in, um, washing towels, uh, you know, having your wife yell at you about all the beads that are in there from the kids, getting jerseys inside out from uh, years gone by and, and just generally speaking, when you put sweat into something, the other side of it is is the joy you get from seeing it become what, or more than you hoped it could be. I mean, last night, there's people who've traveled, they've committed money to ferries and hotels uh, they are putting jerseys on that are ours and singing songs for 90 minutes at the top of their voices. Um, to me, that's like it's, it's, it's actually living a dream like it's unbelievable in this country like it's it's not fathomable at times so it means tons to me that we were able to go full, uh, full circle show people what's possible and now you know call us we'll help what, what do you want to do we'll help you in your community if you need it
0: Fantastic way to end. Thank you for everything the last few years. Well, I'm going to be sad not to see you around, but it's it's been great to be part of this adventure and like this this whole campaign. I think it's going to live long in the memories of everyone that was a part of it or watched it. And kudos to you for it all, man.
4: Well, you were one of the first guys we called, my friend, and you came on board, and that helped. Uh Take the first step towards some public uh, awareness and the way we went. So, thanks for being an honour, thanks for being with us. Cheers, Will. Cheers.
0: So, so many things coming out of that chat there with, with Willie. And I mean, he talked to Zach that when they created this adult team in 2017, so it's before the CPL was born, there were very few opportunities in the adult game for Canadian coaches. So he had to create a club to give himself a job, basically. And there was that lost generation, really, 2010, 2011 to maybe 2017, 2018, where the opportunities weren't there for players. They weren't there for coaches every aspect management behind the scenes in canadian soccer and i think that's what's so great now with league ones with the cpl is you've got those opportunities now and you've got a place for everyone that wants a career in canadian soccer to have at least outlets now
1: yeah oh yeah we've talked a lot before this is not simply about the player development although that's the primary thing It is building a football, for lack of a better word, industry, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: uh, which provides all these types of opportunities. Yeah, coaches and technical people, and you you were talking earlier about massage people and video, you know, video analysts and all all this stuff, media, everything, right? And so, yeah, it's it's growing. So it's it's uh, a growth in so many different facets, and so yeah. uh, Back, back back when TSS was uh you know moving into whatever USL or it was USL right they moved Yeah into, there was the PDL PDL, PDL yeah. for
0: the first 2 years and then they rebranded USL League 2 in year 3 before, right. then so, covid hit and, and shut everything down
1: Yeah so when they were doing that yeah your your opportunities were in this country essentially were MLS right or bust yeah. and those were only three you know three opportunities in the three largest centers and yeah. you had
0: the eddies and and ottawa oh yeah flying sorry. the flag and a couple of yeah. pdl teams as well like kw united yeah. thunder bay winnipeg thunder bay, yeah so but highlanders they were still few opportunities like yeah. when because obviously we we'd covered colin's battles with bc soccer to try and get the academy recognized over the years on the podcast on the website so we'd known colin for years So when they said, oh, we're going to launch this team, it's like, I want to be a part of this. What can I do to help? Yeah, Gave me my break into commentary. That's kind of snowballed from there. If you told me five, six years ago, you're going to be a media officer for a team in a big cup run, I'd have been like, what? How's that coming about? And it's just those little things. And I'm proud that AFTN's been with TSS every step of the way. We were their media partner from 2017 and we do a lot of stuff with them. And I I love the guys, I love the team. It really means something to me and to the other fans that go and watch it and the owners. And that touches on the other thing I was gonna talk to you about just to round this off, which is the need for this community and the the community feel for clubs, because obviously I'm coming over from Scotland and in the UK and Germany, Europe, South America, Mm -hmm. You have these communities where clubs really mean something to the local community. Yeah. Your team loses at the weekend and it spoils your whole weekend. You're just in a miserable mood, which isn't necessarily a great way to be. It's like you want to not have all those ups and downs and emotional roller coasters, but because you care so much about it. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier about... Are there enough people that care about clubs at all levels in Canada right now to make it a sustainable sport? I think it will continue to grow and come, and the World Cup will certainly help that. But Mm. I, I think a lot of it, like in BC, I would have liked them to touch in the ethnic communities, and they've kind of wanted to steer clear of that. In the VMSL, you've got teams that's got, like, Croatia, Italian, Serbian roots.
1: You're talking about League One, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, out in Sun, you've got the the Indo community as well. These are the groups that are passionate about football, and you want to get them involved in the game.
1: Yeah, I think you can correct me on this, Michael, but I, I think it was partly... The I don't know that that was the primary issue of not. No, it was more about not having existing clubs.
0: Yeah, they didn't want existing clubs, but they, they also when new, they were branding identity. the new teams, they wanted to steer clear of right, right. The, okay. the ethnic side of it. But you you put a kind of South Asian themed club out in Surrey. we have talked about this in the show before. You you'll get people in. There's been over a thousand folk out uh, provincial cup games. We talked about that, I think, in the last show. Croatia, there was probably six hundred to eight hundred Croatia fans turned out for the provincial cup. Now, obviously, you're trying to get this for the whole season, which is it's easy to do this for the one-off games, the big games.
1: And, yeah, and I'm no market marketing person or whatever, but I think the other maybe perspective on that is michael is it gives you a base to build from but it also limits you
0: it, it does because oh, sorry, sorry it can limit you yeah like if you have a creation club you're maybe not going to be attracting serbians and bosnians and, <laughs> and things like that to it yeah. so yeah i do get that side of it as well but it, it's it's not even necessarily like brand it that way but just get them involved and it's like when we talked to rob friend uh before the home opener and he's like, he's picked the brains from like, people involved with Metro Ford and Columbus, mm-hmm. who's got Italian roots and teams like that. Because these are the people that are passionate and you want involved in the game in some capacity. But it is about building communities and League One is good for that. The CPL needs to do it. And mm-hmm. we'll maybe touch a little bit about that in part four about marketing. At how things maybe need to be a little bit better, but I, I've got hope that we can do this, but we just have to maybe target the right markets. I think if a Quebec CPL side, for example, launched and really targeted the kind of African community that's over there, I think you'd get a really good buy-in. Edmonton, you've got BTB Academy, And a lot of that is immigrants that's come over. We talked about them before with Fonzie being involved and stuff. And you kind of capture that market as well. So it it is all about growing communities. It's something that Will understands. What happens to Will now? He's gone back to to coach under 13 girls. Because that's his day job. He's moved to Ontario. He's running an academy out there uh, in London. And... Will someone come out a-, a knocking for him? Will we maybe get a League One team in Ontario? The opportunities for Canadian coaches are still pretty slim, hmm. and that is something that we need to really improve all, around all around, all really. J- just to finish this part off, just want to say big well done to Darren Rusher. The Darren Rusher era at tss is underway now it's been a difficult start to the season because you've kind of got two two masters as darren described it in charge of the team because willie was taking charge of them for the canadian championship darren tried getting for the the league one bc you can't play the same teams it's all who's you maybe wanting to play different ways because in league one tss have to be the protagonists but they're defensive mm. in the Canadian Championship. But TSS yeah. got off to a fantastic start with Darren on Saturday. 4-0 win, kickstarting their season. Lot of good results around League One. We'll bring you a roundup on AFTN as well this week, so you can catch up with the first three weeks of the league.
1: It was a hat-trick, right? From, uh... Eric
0: Edwardson, hat-trick. Yeah. Matteo Polisi on the score sheet as well. So Good game all round. That was, that was the big plus point, at least from all the football results of off the
1: last week for me. And it was so so boring at the back that Sandu was in charge of smoke. Yeah, it was fantastic. Did <laughs> you see that? I saw, I, was, I can't remember if it was a picture or a video. Yeah, I saw.
0: Yeah, he was just like waving the, the the smoke around. At the He had nothing to do in that game. When it went to 2-0 in the commentary in the 67th minute, I said, well, that's at home and dry now for TSS. And some of the Harborside fans were like, how can you say that at this stage of the game? And I was like... <laughs> The team has offered nothing that yeah. makes me think they're even going to get a shot never mind like claw back a two goal deficit and I was proved right but I do like what Harborside are actually building in the Nanaimo as well, they've got that community thing going as well, they've done a fantastic job there, so I will say that but we're going to turn our attention to the CPL in the next part and the under 20 FIFA World Cup and we'll be back with that
3: after this Hi, I'm Jay Herman, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
0: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And Zach, what is it that people are always coming up and saying to us about the music on the show? They love it. Yeah, but apart from that, what what are they always asking for?
1: Um, What are they always asking for? Uh, more... Um... Weird European music, yes,
0: (laughs) Finnish rap music, to be precise, (laughs) and that's what kicked off this part. A Finnish artist called Karija, that was, hey, oh, that reminds me of a fantastic radio phone thing that will come in a sec. That was his song Cha Cha Cha, and that was. Do do you know much about the Eurovision Song Contest?
1: Very little.
0: This was the fan's choice to win it this year. Like I've no time really for Eurovision, but I happened to see a clip of this song, then I watched the whole song. And I loved it. And the, it won the fan vote but ended up finishing second overall. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. Check out the the video for it. But it, it's a very weird competition. The the Eurovision. But that the finished joke. I I may have mentioned this on the show before. <laughs> when I played a song from uh, Armchair Loyal that sampled this radio phone in when this Rangers fan was trying to find out why their goalkeeper, Antin Yemi, had never been capped for Scotland. Oh, yeah and the guy who's in the phone and went he, he's finished he's like he's not finished he's only
1: yeah, 27
0: and that was like not even a wind-up that was a genuine phone yeah, call and legit. it's like oh tell you what else is legit the cpl again not a great segue but we are now at 118 in the morning as we record this what time is it zach
1: uh well like you said it's very early in the morning or as i said to you on twitter it's uh six past Shulka.
0: or alternatively it's five past irving
1: oh my poor callum poor
0: vancouver <laughs> fc's defending yeah yes um i haven't heard any more bragging recently from sean hundo
1: <laughs> uh, that one win that he was declaring that
0: it's nice to have a team in vancouver that wins <laughs> How's it going for
1: him since then? I you know some interesting things I I I don't know I can't remember how much I told you about this but I I was uh uh in the presence of a conversation about all that and it was interesting oh. to hear about how one I think Sean learned a lot from uh from from that but actually it 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 served to galvanize the cpl community again like online right because because
0: the gressels reply he's a, he's yeah.
1: gressels um also ill-advised reply because uh, yeah. well, you, you can blame her for that no no whatever Did chad learn not to talk to her but but he i mean he, gressel's the one who made the reply right yeah. like, i mean but but just in a similar way to when the um representatives or individuals from the men's national team uh uh said disparaging things about the canadian premier league and people came to the people people came to uh the fore of expressing how off base that was it was i think it's not on the same level but it was a similar response from from canadian supporters uh who value the cpo And and not just and not just obviously the the fans in the, at the of the local clubs, but just people who value it in general um but yeah obviously so so I think I think Sean learned a bunch from that uh and yeah the, I mean <laughs> this weekend's game was uh it was not a it was not a good game for for my local club
0: no i mean i I had h- planned to head out to it and I checked the sack and the game was originally scheduled for seven, but they brought yep. it forward to six thirty.
1: And that was also like a really long time ago because I, I had a pencil in my calendar for 6.30 for a long time. Mm. But I think you're right. I think it, it yeah. was at some point. Because
0: was, some folk had to leave before the end of the TSS game to to go up to, to make it to Langley. Got to give a big shout out to photographer Tom Iwaziak. Oh, yeah, it's Tom. Like, photographed the two Rovers games, then jumped in his car and headed up to Langley to, to photograph that for us as well. Guy I just, is legendary.
1: I just figured he was going to get the AFTN helicopter.
0: We had trouble with it. It was like I wanted to go and get a pizza, he wanted to get to the Langley, (laughs) basically. It was a 5-0 shellacking. Atletico Ottawa, who have not looked very good, suddenly became world beaters. It surely can't all have been down to just Rocco Romeo missing out.
1: You you know what? I, I was on the, uh, the, the media call, you know, one day before the match and the media call, and the, I was uh, in the moment, I didn't respond to it or, or whatever. Maybe I, I should have, but Afshin, it was, to me, it was awkward that Afshin said, we have a lot of depth at center back. And I, I remember at the time thinking, really, who else, who is going to take the, and I thought, I thought, okay, he's just saying that whatever, but for sure. He's going to go with, you know, Ibra and, uh, Pele partnered with, uh, Caden moving to right back on the one side and, um, you know, either Crawford or, or on the left as in a back four. And, and I think that would have been the better approach if I'm honest, because instead they brought in, um, Kane who is not, uh, always a center
2: back. (laughs)
1: Um, and, uh, yeah, he 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 can't play center back. So don't get me wrong, but I don't think he was ready for it. Now, obviously, um, LA, once again, like with the the goal in the um, in the one I'll draw with uh, cavalry, uh, didn't look great. I think, especially on the first two goals, but I think it was overall that group with their limited time working together uh, in that more that back three that I think was not. Um, or three central guys or whatever that was not was not working and um you yeah. know then then put put us behind the eight ball and then we were susceptible to uh counter-attacks uh which then also you know added added uh you know added to the the misery of the misery on the occasion but ultimately michael i think that that was you know something that uh, and you saw even you know felipe you know tweeting about it you know the half saying you know this something's got to change and then of course he made the change and what he did was he chose to put caden at right back and then move ibra into midfield in the center midfield to try and give more steel there and that again didn't seem to um to really help things also i think. If there's VAR, I think there's at least a a look at the fifth goal for a foul in the in the lead up to the goal, but uh, ultimately, it was just, that straw
0: straws, my friend. It was, it
1: was a it was a, it was a, it was a it was a bad it was a really really bad performance and really really unfortunate. But like I said to you as we were texting, you know, um, and as like we were talking about earlier, th- you it's it's a it's a horrible performance and you can dwell on it and it can be frustrating, whatever. And I'm not. Trying to take away from those, you know, feelings or emotions or whatever, but um, it's also like not the end of the world, right? And yeah. it's well,
0: it's going to be interesting to see the reaction from the players yeah. and from seen for this because well, this is the first real adversity brutal. that he's he's had.
1: Totally, but I mean, the, the bigger problem—forget about the 5 0 To me, the bigger problem is one is Romeo's suspension wasn't holistically overturned; it was only yeah. I cannot believe that. Yeah, I, that to me is shocking. But now to lose um Caden Chung to what, mm-hmm. what I was told after the match is a broken collarbone, a broken clavicle.
0: I said to Caitlin when we're watching it, I was like at first I said dislocated shoulder, I went, I think it's his clavicle, the yeah. way he was holding it.
1: That's that's what I was told after the match. Uh and then um and then Gabe Gabriel Batar also came off and was, I think, hobbling. Yeah. And I don't know how quickly he'll recover. And so it's and then you're going to an away match on Friday against Forge, right? Like it's not, it's not a great, it's not a, I'm, I'm obviously ho- there, there's a bit of hope that they'll be resting players for the, for the Voyagers Cup, but it's a, it's a very, very it's like one of the, one of, if not the most difficult tests you could have next. And um, to be even less than full strength. Um, Cause I think with their starting 11, I think everyone feels confident that we're in every game, but, with the with these suspensions and injuries it's like it's really 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 concerning yeah the caden
0: one um he just looked in so much pain right away and it was kind and of the, innocuous uh, really but
1: well but then the again,
0: he was, was clad it was the way he fell i think
1: yeah but even the clattering like when you compare that to romeo's red card mm. I, I felt like i what was there a booking on the play in the end there was right or was there even?
0: I can't remember. By by yeah. that point I was kinda of just watching it with half an eye and the White yeah, game was yeah. coming up. It was like a, I yeah. I almost turned, when it was three now I almost turned it off. And I'm glad I didn't, because it was nice to see Zach Verhoeven scoring. And I I know again you will not have this opinion, but because he missed that penalty on Wednesday, the crucial penalty, and his family yeah. and friends were there it was such an emotional moment for him. You saw yeah. what it meant to him. And yeah, as I mentioned before, like because I've known Zach for many a year now, I was just absolutely delighted for him.
1: Yeah, both Verhoeven scores. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then Noah with that finish, and then Grant Verhoeven plays for TSS as well. So
1: Yes. They're taking over. We were talking about the third Verhoeven that night as well.
0: Well it's Verhoeven. Ver- oh Ver- yeah, Noah sorry. and Grant.
1: Yes, sorry.
0: Because I always called them Verhoven as well, all of them. But then it got pointed out to me: it's not that.
1: That is the good point. Yeah.
0: But we won't dwell too much more in the game. Last thing I want to mention about that though is the crowd seems mm-hmm. to have been announced at about twenty eight hundred.
1: Yeah, just over that was the announce, Yeah,
0: because of where the camera is. Yeah, it's not capturing the where most of the fans are, which is the stand. that doesn't have the sun beating down on you. Yeah, and it makes it look terrible.
1: Yeah, again, a, a problem, uh, a a problem or an opportunity, right? It's it's not great in the moment, but it's an opportunity to grow. Uh, like I said earlier, I was a little surprised. Um, the hottest part of the day for me was actually the hour, hour and a half we spent kind of setting up earlier in the day, <laughs> putting uh-huh. up stuff. Well, y- your section came... did look kind of in the shade. Oh, the, it was not in the shade, Michael. But, but, um, but what happened was, so when I got into the stadium at five o'clock when it opened, um, I didn't, I, I spent a bunch of time underneath the stand connecting with people and having conversations. So it wasn't probably until like, I don't know, quarter to six, almost six o'clock, till I was actually like back in this section permanently. But all I did was I put on some sunscreen, wore a bucket hat, and it was not like I was expecting it to be like, unbearable you know or like how can i actually sing or clap or do any like how you know just as an individual how can i actually uh, how am i gonna actually support this game like this is gonna be unbearable but it was actually not nearly as bad as i thought I th- there wasn't like a breeze but it was it wasn't as uncomfortable but that's all for me I don't, i'm not saying that was the same experience for everyone there but that's just uh how i felt in the moment and again uh for uh, all the frustrations of the you know the crowd being half the size as it was for the previous match, you know, the first match, and the score, uh, and you know, uh, you know, the injuries and whatever, there were still, I think, were really good moments. Uh, for like in terms of as supporters, um, you know, there's uh, new new songs being sung, and other songs taking you know deeper root and more people learning them and engaging with them, and um, and obviously there's some old classics or some old ones that are no longer used uh in other parts of the the community but um but then also just with the players like it's easy to it's easy to build connections with your players when you win right that's the easy part yes but the i was really happy that not everyone but most of the, the people in our in our section in section n or half of them at least stuck around to the end to keep singing for our players and to let them know that like yeah this was not not our, our day and it wasn't a it wasn't an acknowledgement of hey everyone's performance was great you know just keep trying harder it was uh hey we're with you in this and so uh that i think those are the positives and again aside from all of that just even just some of the community building there were some people there like uh, i i've loved both these home games because at every game there's people come and connect that are from different parts of my life some from the football community some from work some from the communities I've lived in or you know had other community connections in um you know and sometimes you like this game there's a guy came up to me and I was just like I know you but I can't remember your name (laughs) (laughs) because I haven't seen you in like whatever five six years or, or or whatever and it was, and then and he told me. It uh, happens was to me like,
0: a lot. And it's like, they know was, my name. And I'm like, I know you.
1: I was, I like, can't I was like, I was like, as soon as he said his name, he said his first name. I was like, I knew who he was. And it was his last name and whatever. And then there was, dude, there was a guy, there was a guy and I can't remember. There was two, two other guys. I can't remember their names. One was a uh, a listener of the show who was like, oh, I love the show. You guys, I like how you speak, speak truth or whatever. Um, and um Uh, but there was another, another dude who you, I think would recognize and he came up to me and he had his phone out with a picture from way back in the day. And, and the picture there's, um, Piltdown man's topless (laughs) and I, and I'm, and then I'm there and then there, he's like, look, he's like, this is, uh, this is my son. And his son was like, I don't know, not like under 10 or 10 years old at the time. And this was like, yeah, like 15, almost 20 years ago or whatever or just under 20 years ago and he's just like yeah he's like oh we're so excited to have a team or whatever he's look there's my son and now his son's like uh you know whatever 18 or 22 or whatever it was just it was really cool um
0: see you (laughs) get
1: stopped with nice things lee was telling me when we're doing our his five podcast today
0: someone stopped him at the game on tuesday and went love the podcast but can you stop with all the mls pish
1: (laughs) wait this podcast or the
0: other no, one? No, the the my east five one because I do i mention mentioned the Whitecaps regularly and stuff, but oh over here, oh over here. Oh, uh, <laughs> um. So that defeat keeps yeah. Vancouver in the fifth and final playoff spot, yeah. one of four teams on five points. Forge and Pacific is starting to pull away a little bit. Obviously, it's still very very early, but it had been so tight for a while. Now you look at it, and it's Forge have got eleven. Pacific have 10, and then Valor is third with six, and then four teams on five. And then bottom of the heap, York United just piling the pressure a little bit on Martin Nash, especially after their 4-1 defeat mm-hmm. by Pacific today. Forge beat Valor
1: 3-2. It was a crazy weekend. I saw some tweet that said the, th- the 14 goals in the three matches on Saturday was like a league record. and oh. then And then with five more... It was like it was almost five goals a game on average for the weekend. Did you watch the Cavalry Halifax highlights? Uh, yeah. Because I I wasn't going to
0: watch it initially, and then I got Scott Strasser's report through. Yeah, and I was like, I have to watch this. That was quite something.
1: Uh, I I I used to have I used to have a level of respect for Meyer Bevan, and it's it's mostly gone. <laughs> oh, I'm going to yeah. say yeah. Yeah, I think he likes it, to it, embellish quite a yeah, lot. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he that's twice now and the end of year that where I'm like, okay, you you're going over the top and yeah, unnecessarily and whatever. Yeah. I I I I I I'm you saw, I don't know did you see on Twitter um Derek is it Derek Martins, the like not the owner but kind of like the operator of of Halifax? No. Oh, yeah, he just he tweeted like B- BS. <laughs> like and everyone's just like are you going to do something or you're just going to go tweet about it he's like then like, he, people are like you know you you're as the owners you run the league you should be able to fix this he's like the referees are a csa thing we can only do so much kind of thing but um it, it i mean it it has been it has been a difficult year uh for the cpl when it comes to officiating which obviously is not a new thing for them um there's been a lot of significant calls that have kind of wrecked matches because yeah that, that that equalizing penalty the ball bounces up it oh. hits the guy in the chin or yeah, it's whatever
0: like chin like and then yeah. midriff
1: yeah it did not come anywhere near to his hand and a penalty was given and that, ru- that ruined an away result for you know for them and yeah someone messaged uh someone of the one of the people from pacific mess uh, tweeted or messaged or whatever talking about how like Oh, you know, it's just a part of the I may actually might have been the Lakeside Boys account. They're just like, Oh, it's a part of the CPL where you totally get screwed by the refs and and uh cavalry get away with cheating <laughs> or whatever. And I thought, Oh, that's kinda of harsh. And then I it can happen. I was like, Oh, that's kind of two weeks in a row where I think they benefited from horrific cheating.
0: Well, like the the referee in the Pacific TSS game, um, Victoria Gunnar had shared all the stats for the refs that done CPL matches. So she's done one CPL match. She booked seven players and sent someone off in that match. And it's like, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The thing, and we've talked about this before, I, and I've said in this show, I don't like VAR, et etc., et cetera, but it is there to make the referees better.
1: Yeah. I haven't got this confirmed, but there is supposedly some kind of a CPL var light that yes, shows
0: Yes, I heard that, although it might have been from you, but s- someone no, did yeah. tell me that. I might have heard that on Wednesday actually.
1: Yeah, I don't, so don't, yeah, we'll see what comes of that, but again, we, we we've said before, you're trying to grow all these facets of the game in the country. And yeah, and that includes officials. Includes officials, and it feels like the level of officiating has not, is not uh, at the level of the development of the players and the pace of the game, and yeah, whatever.
0: well, I mean, they do have my videos from the, the parks that I film. That's right. So, I mean, that obviously helps them. But the crazy thing with Cavalry and Halifax, five games, they're both still unbeaten. All draws. Both still winless.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it is crazy.
0: And Cavalry, I think, yeah. In all five games, Cavalry have taken the lead and given it up.
1: Yeah. I obviously, I've, like, obviously, I care about the CPL. I've followed it from the beginning, but I've never followed it as intently as I have uh, this, this year because I care more about what's happening <laughs> than ever before. And it, it, it's, um, yeah, I, this is usually a sad time of year because there's only two match days left in the Bundesliga. And it's like, ah, uh, but no, I'm ex- like, uh yeah, this this the season so far in the CPL has been really, really intriguing, and even with the frustrations over officiating, it's been. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying the league's fifth season and excited about it. Yeah, we'll see
0: where it takes us. So that is it for all our domestic chat in the show. We've got one last segment to go. We're going to talk about the FIFA Under Twenty World Cup. It was meant to be in Indonesia. It's now in Argentina. The action gets underway on Saturday, May 20th. Canada didn't qualify. Scotland didn't qualify. But there is Canadian interest in the tournament this year. Jay Herdman is there representing New Zealand. New Zealand drawn in a group with the hosts, along with Uzbekistan and Guatemala. Great chance to move on. The top two teams of each group and the four best third place teams will advance to the round of 16. So it's a great chance for New Zealand. It's a great opportunity for Jay Herdman. Got a chance to chat to Jay just before he he headed off last week to meet up with his New Zealand teammates after a WFC 2 game. Just to chat about how this opportunity came about, how much he's looking forward to it and what did he learn from being down in Qatar with his dad for the the main World Cup back in December. Here's Jay Hertman. So Jay, heading off soon to the World Cup in, in Argentina, you must be just absolutely excited.
3: Yeah, no. So I talked. I was talking to a couple of guys who went to the. U17 woke up in Brazil and they said it's a uh, life, like one in a lifetime's uh, opportunity. So I'm excited to play Argentina in Argentina. Yeah. But now I'm just uh, looking forward to pushing to make it out of the group because I think we have a good chance. Yeah, I mean, looking at the, the schedule, I, I mean, with all respect
0: to Indonesia, yeah. going to play this in Argentina is a yeah, whole different no, level. Better, and better, having Argentina in your last group yeah. game, I mean, just to
3: experience that, it's yeah. just
0: going to be phenomenal. Yeah, no.
3: I've heard the stadiums might be packed, so cool. playing playing in front of uh, like probably 40,000 40, Argentinians, so uh, no, it's going to be special. I don't think anyone, like no, I don't, like just to play in front of that many Argentinians, especially how big football is there, yeah. it's going to be a one-of-a-lifetime opportunity.
0: So I know you were born in New Zealand, yep. obviously your dad was down there for a, a long time, so how did, it, how did this opportunity come about? Did you have to think twice about it or...? As soon as they said we want you involved in this yeah. program, you jumped at it.
3: Well, I was born and I lived half my life there. Yeah. So, at heart, I'm a Kiwi. I was going to say, anything, you feel like yeah, a Kiwi. yeah, for sure. But uh, I was uh, I was talking to them probably last uh, U17 World Cup that got cancelled due to COVID. So, I've, I've been talking for a while, but yeah, it's been a uh, set from the start. I've wanted to play for New Zealand, represent New Zealand. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And like you've had a few appearances now. You've
0: got some goals as well. It feels mm. like you've you fitted right in. Yep. It's like, I mean, would you want to go and even play pro down there? Obviously, Wellington's mm. in the A-League and there's other teams and stuff as well.
3: Yep. No, the, there's a lot of good players in the in that league. Oh, the, the team, um, the New Zealand team's a strong team. Mm. A lot of good players and good environments. But I like this league. Uh, I think MLS Next Pro uh, is like a really good league for young kids to come up against... Other young kids, older older guys, and so really physical and strong league. So it's really good to get used to really playing against the older guys to set up playing uh, first team football overseas. Uh. So yeah, I think the New Zealand league is really good, but I like uh, I like yeah. the next pro.
0: The, like looking at your season, like the teams had a great start. You've yeah. had a good season as well. It feels a little bit of a different vibe under Rico. Does it kind of feel that this this season?
3: Uh, the team, the team's really positive. I think we got off to a good start, so it's helped the uh, help morale in the team. So I think the big difference is just as a team we gelled really well together. So just the vibe in the locker room, vibe at training is just really good, and we uh, show on the pitch. We work hard for each other, and uh, when we play well together, we play well and get results like tonight. When you see Ali and Simon moving mm-hmm. on And getting these opportunities as well It must give you hope Because so many
0: times here in the past With the Whitecaps Young guys They just haven't had these chances mm-hmm. But Vanny seems to Be keen to give the young guys chances Yeah,
3: and uh, Ali and, uh, I'm close with Ali and Simon So watching them go and play First team Like Simon scoring what, Five, six goals now yeah. Scoring last night uh, It shows how close we are If we uh, just uh, stick, in, stick in Have good performances uh, Impress Vanny uh, you never know we might get the shot
0: you got to Qatar with your dad yep, for the
3: yep, World Cup yep, so went. how
0: did you find that experience because obviously you've had a taste now mm-hmm. of being at a World Cup yep. from that side of it th- does that make you a little bit better prepared for what you're going to have now as a playing side of it
3: uh, I don't know but being in guitar, watching that World Cup watching some really good players it was it uh, was a well, it was a great time like who would have thought you could go to watch a World Cup watch people like Kevin De Bruyne Lukaku's and just seeing how good of the level is, and wanting to be at the next 2020 was eight six. Six. Yeah. Here, here in the, Canada, yep, as well, here in I Canada. Think,
0: Like I think Oceania
3: gets an automatic qualifying berth, so it's, I mean New Zealand. It's a easier. It's an easier way, especially yeah. now. I think instead of two teams, it's, instead of three, I think it's they added one more team to go through. So it's uh, yeah. If I keep pushing and I impress in the World Cup, uh, try and make the Olympic squad in uh 2024 i think yeah because that's the next um, thing for you i guess so let's keep working up and you never know maybe uh maybe i get a shot with that uh, all white squad in the well,
0: world all the very best hope yep. you get through the groups i've got i, I love new zealand i've yep. got a big thing with kiwi culture so yep. wish you the very best and we'll thank talk you. to you when you get back perfect thank that's you great. cheers man good luck <laughs> Jay Herdman there, it's such a great opportunity for him, absolutely delighted for him, he's a guy that he's not going to be involved with, with Canada unless he suddenly just develops massively o- o- over the next couple of years, I mean let's be honest, and he was born in New Zealand, spent half his life in New Zealand, says he feels Kiwi, so it's great to see him involved in this. Finn Linder as well from Whitecaps too is part of that New Zealand squad. So That's who I'll be watching the, the most closely. But it's also a great, like apart from the whole experience of going down there, Zach, and playing Argentina in Argentina, mm-hmm. this is a great chance for Jay because he's been involved in the Olympics team. So you've got the 2024 Olympics coming up and then the 2026 World Cup here where... Realistically, because Oceania get a qualifying spot, New Zealand will win that. You would think he could be drawn in a group to face off against his dad. Totally, there would be a story and a half.
1: Yeah, that would be. That would probably be the first time that's happened, right?
0: Yeah, I, 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 he's such a good player. It's like the question now is, will he stay at the Whitecaps? Will he make the breakthrough? I, I think this is the last year that he might think. I'll see if I get this breakthrough. And if he doesn't get it, I could see him looking to go to Europe. I asked him there, would he consider going down under, like to the A-League with maybe Wellington Phoenix or something? That doesn't seem on the cards for him. But I could definitely see him going to have a look in Europe. He's got the UK passport. Just I wish him and Finn all the very best for the Under-20 World Cup. Gives me more reason to watch it now. We've got someone to cheer on. Mhm. Totally. So that is it for the football chat. It's not it for the show. We're going to wrap things up with this week's wavelength. And I promised you, Zach, it was going to be a a Mother's Day-themed song.
1: Not megaphone violence awareness? No. No.
0: What do you think it's going to be? Is it about soccer mums? No, not
1: quite. Hopefully not.
0: No. Um, This is from a band called Tropical Horses. They're actually a one-man band from Paris. He describes himself as singing songs about drugs, women... Soccer and Science Fiction This is a song from 2013 from their album We Don't Stand on the Beach and this is Sunday Soccer Fuck Your Mother
1: Oh my god (laughs)
0: Tropical horses there. Sunday soccer. Fuck your mother. Great way to finish this, show, Ah,
1: uh, we'll probably have to agree to disagree.
0: <laughs> you won't be playing this to your family.
1: No. Yeah. No. 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 Ah. Okay. No. I mean, I haven't even I haven't even heard it, and I'll say no. it's a very catchy song. Actually, it doesn't mention anything in it
0: about doing things to to mothers, but I I think it's a good song. Very catchy. My kind of sound. That is it for what has been a bumper show. I think this is ending up as a three-hour one, and it wasn't meant to be. I don't know how this one got away from us. <laughs> so we say that a lot, really. Uh, let's wrap things up. Any final thoughts from you? Anything funny that caught your eye this week or any final messages that you want to get out there?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at ZacharyM. Uh, Bridge Valley Fanatics, you can find us on yeah Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. FE Fanatics of Gmail.com. Uh yeah. Looking forward to uh next home match on a back on a Sunday. So that'll be kind of fun.
0: Which I will miss because I'm commentating on altitude. Yeah. They need yeah. to get these kickoff times sorted. Rob needs to give me a friend and forgive me a friend. <laughs> it's 1 now, everybody. Uh, he needs to give me a phone call and find out what my schedule is, is what I was trying to get words out to say.
1: Oh, did League One schedule come out first? Yeah. Uh oh. Um. Well, you'll be there for the Pacific match, right? I don't know. The Friday game. I Friday mentioned.
0: seven o'clock clashes with WFC two. As we said on last week's show, I do feel a lot more attached to that team right now than Vancouver FC. Local talent. Local talent.
1: That's yeah. That's foolishness to me, but whatever.
0: It's also ten um, minutes up the road from me.
1: Yeah, but whatever. So yeah, get if you want to be a part of things, get in touch.
0: Yeah, my my message to everyone is that there really is a feast of football mm-hmm. in the Lower Mainland just now, at all levels. Get out and support these clubs. Get out and support Vancouver FC. Get out and support your League One teams, your local League One teams and the local talent. Grow this community. Let's make something special happen in BC. Let's encourage these players and let's have a national team that is full of BC talent. That's what I want to see I just want to see good football, and we've got so much of it going on here in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. I'm Michael McCall. You can follow all our stuff, aftn.ca. If you like this podcast, leave a, a review. Leave some stars on wherever you get this podcast. We never promote that enough. It's always good to have. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, and go and enjoy the Feast of Football.